Welcome to Rogue Bogues. This is episode 19 of the Basketball Series. Pro, welcome. Bogues, how you doing, brother? Good, man. Good. Uh, everything's going well. You're in you're in Texas and you tell me off here. You guys are pretty pretty wide open over there with the COVID stuff. Yeah, getting better just because of the, you know, vaccinations and you go to stores and stuff, then a lot of people outside don't have masks on and you now some stores have it, you know, have the mandate, but for the most part it's sort of opened up. So and sports at capacity, right? For the most part, yeah, mo- like full capacity in most places, yeah, restaurants and things. They're they're uh, you know, for when I'm here, I don't go. I haven't gone to a restaurant, but I, I you know, insert joke here, but no, I haven't gone to a restaurant <laughs> yet. But uh, I've heard, I've heard that like you know, it, it's getting more and more. The problem is they can't find people to work, man. Like there's like, you know, that that's what I'm hearing. Is that because of the stimulus or because of people more more fearful? I think stimulus has a lot to do with it. Although, like, it's not crazy here. Like, it's not crazy with the amount they give you. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with some of the stimulus that they get. And then people just, you know, sort of don't want to work and don't want to come back. Because a lot, some of the restaurants are even closing because of that. Because they can't, you know, they can't find staff. But, well, shit, Australia's, Australia's in that boat because the stimulus out here is pretty good. So, I've got friends that run restaurants and cafes and they've lost a lot of chefs and employees because they're like, I can sit at home and do nothing and make the same money. But problem being when um, that flick, that, that switch gets flicked back on, uh, people are going to be out of a job. So, interesting times. But let's get rolling. Enough small talk. An interesting week again. We got you know, some some real fireworks in the uh, – we're going to hit the coaches in this first 20, 30 minutes because there's a lot to go through. First off, off the top of the rank was – we obviously all saw, you saw, we, we chatted about it, assistant coach Greg Foster with Indiana Pacers, um, an absolute, you know, huge tantrum blow up against uh, – I'm not sure who it was against. I think it was Sacramento. Sacramento, yeah. Yeah, Goga Bitazdi. I hope I pronounced that right. Turkish – I think he's a Turkish kid from um, – you know, one of their big men, and basically, I saw the video. So this kid, uh, this kid has not rotated defensively. Didn't come to the help side, and someone came straight through the lane, dunked the ball. He was kind of late, hesitant. You would see he was hesitating, and, and just didn't go, didn't jump, let him dunk it. So I think you see Greg Foster chirping from the bench, or the kid runs back down on on offense and spaces. Hits a three, <laughs> runs back on on D and turns to Greg Foster and says, "Sit the fuck down." And it was on like Donkey Kong after that. So so, so something happened. There was a foul. Um, they call a timeout. And I mean, for those of you who haven't seen the video, I mean, just punching Greg Foster, um, blow up or whatever on on YouTube or, or Twitter, and just absolutely loses his shit to the point where you know they hold him back two or three times. You know, most most times in the NBA, as we know, pro you hold a guy for 10, 15 seconds, it's over. But he kept going and clawing and clawing so much so that other players were like, dude, like, what are you doing, man? Like, calm down. You, you obviously have been involved in some fiery encounters, but I mean, how did you see that one? Do you think Gorga obviously, obviously was kind of started the whole thing, but probably not as much in the wrong once it ended? Or how do you see all that? Well, first of all, I the league has sort of a WWF feel to it anyway these days. So fuck, like you're not surprised by anything, but yeah, you're around it, right? You've been around it longer than I have. And it's just like, you know, there's all this stuff in the media, coaches can get fired. Teams not really winning. They were winning, but they're in this like sort of a, you know, downward spiral. You know, you're playing, you're playing the fucking Kings and this shit happens. Coach gets pissed. You don't know what's going on with him. I know Foster. He's one of the best big man coaches in the league. He's a really good coach, but he's a real tough dude. And, and if he feels as though he gets disrespected, he don't care. He'll just, you know, do what he needs to do. And yeah, you, you don't want to see it, 
But then again, like as a coach, if you're going to say something, I don't know what was said, but like if you're going to say something across the line, then you know the player is going to react. And as a player, you got to say, you got to understand that if you say something fucked up to a coach, most coaches are just going to take it because they're afraid for their job. Some guys are just going to go fucking right back at you. So you got to really understand who the fuck you're talking to when you're talking to them. You know, like you said, like I said, it's it's not a professional deal where, you know, you don't want to see that. But it is what it is. You know, guys get pissed. You get a guy on the wrong day. You don't want to fucking take that shit no more. Maybe that, you know, maybe that kid was been loafing most of the year or for a week or for two weeks. You know, how sometimes that is too. Like guys go at each other all the time and that's just their relationship. So you don't really know that. I'm not in that building, so I don't know. But sometimes that shit happens, especially if the team's not doing well and the, the press isn't positive and you just get a guy on a bad day. You know how that life is in the NBA with travel and all this shit. You might have something going on at home as a player or a coach. So you don't fucking, you don't know. I don't mind it as much, but it did go a little bit longer than it should. Yeah, it's a fucked up deal, man. It, it was a weird deal to watch. But like I said, it's a fucking WWF anyway, how they like to market it. You know, if it could get a few more viewers, fuck it. Yeah, no, I think it went past that. I think that one did just because it, it blew up. It got a lot of media attention and it just went on and on. It seemed like it was never going to end. Um, even so, when, when when Nate Bjorken came up to Greg and he was still going crazy. And just for some context, when I was with the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green had a relationship with Luke Walton like that, but it was not toxic. It was it was they used to do it to kind of pump each other up, right? So they'd always kind of get into Draymond a little bit about not taking bad threes, take the, take the good wide open ones. Um, sometimes you take a bad one every now and then. And then Draymond, uh, that really good year he had offensively where I think he averaged 14 or 15 a game under Luke Walton for those first 20, 30 games. And then Steve Kerr came back. So then whenever uh, Draymond would shoot a, a tougher one and make it, he'd look at our bench and just abuse Luke Walton, right? Mm-hmm. But more in like a, like a kind of a playful manner like – and then, yeah. and then Luke Walton, when when Draymond would miss one, would be like, "Hey, what, you know, they go back at each other." But it was more a playful banter. But if you didn't know the context, you'd think, "Shit, these guys are about to brawl." But that was kind of how Draymond got himself fired up. Luke knew the mental side of things that he was using that and and then every now and then Luke would say something to him in a timeout when he was playing bad and, and try to roll him up. And that was a relationship. But this one looked a bit further past that. There was definitely no jokes. Um and it's it just goes with Indiana's season. They they started off really well and and as we know, Pro, whenever you're in a losing situation and they're you know, they're still battling for a um a playing spot, um, they should get it, but whether they do or not we'll we'll know in the next couple of weeks. Whenever you're in a, in a shitty team, these things are even even more kind of exclamation mark type things because then the media is talking about it, coaches are already on the hot seat, and I think this is that that perfect situation, which now has led into Nate Bjorken, a lot of stuff coming out about him, which it's probably few and far between. I hate I hate reading uh, sources that don't give their names. I think it's it's just a, the it's a pussy way out, in my opinion. If you're going to say something about someone, put your name to it. But he's got people leaking on him saying, you know, he's antagonistic. He's an antagonistic style of coach. He's he's a, he's a, he's a you know he's a dick. He's completely out of, out of his element as a leader. This was in an article on the Bleacher Report from Jake Fisher that basically just ran it all down. It's, it does not look good for him. And I mean, in today's today's NBA, you can't you can't do that. You can't be a hard nosed coach. There's rumors that he's gone. He goes after staff. He goes after support staff, and that's just something that you can't do. But I just read this morning as we went on air that now Nick Nurse has come out and said. You know that all those reports are a load of shit, um, and and you know so that that's interesting in itself. Nick Nick Nurse is one of the most respected coaches in the NBA. X is a nose guy, smart guy. Could be a bit of loyalty playing in in that, but 
I think the days are numbered for Nate Bjorken considering everything that's happened over this last week. Yeah, uh, and of course, Nick's going to sort of stick up for his guy, right? Like 100%. And also, he's not in the building. He doesn't know. I've heard from a couple of uh, people told me in the last few weeks that that before that report came out that that was sort of a true thing that was going on. But, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you hear sources, you don't know what's true, what's not. So let's just go on the information that's given, right? Like the information that's given is he's not getting along, especially with Sabonis. He's not getting along with him. You're getting into it with your best player consistently and you just can't find a common ground with him. And then you're also going after staff and then other players as well. Well, TJ Warren as well. There was a TJ Warren. Yeah. T- hold the box. TJ Warren. Yep. Yeah. Someone said he demanded a trade or what have you when they hired him. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know Nate Bjorken at all. I've sort of run into him, you know, in pregame and stuff in games. I can't tell you how how he is or how he's not. But if that information is accurate, we'll just say, assume that it is. It's just not a good thing. You're You're not doing well. Like if you're Bill Belichick, you could afford to do that shit. You know, if you're a fucking big time coach that's winning games and championships and things, you might be able to survive a little bit by being a tyrant. I doubt it, especially in today's NBA. You definitely can't. But that's the only way that you could survive if the owner believes in you. If, you know, either the owner believes in you or the best player believes in you or you're winning. One of the combinations of those three. But that's not happening. So there's nothing that you could hang on to right now. Your team's not really doing all that well. You're probably going to be in the they're probably going to be in the 10 spot compared to how they're playing versus how Washington's playing. So that's not going to be good for them. And then now your players don't like you and you're going after staff like, you know, I've heard he wanted to fire staff uh, already and things like that. Yeah, coach and, resigned mid-season too, right? Oh, I didn't see that. Either. Yeah, I believe one of his – I don't have the name in front of me. I should have had it. Um, yeah, there was an – Oh, ass- no, no, no. Bill Bill, um, Bill Baino, but that was sort of mental health deal. Now, maybe that was – I don't know. I haven't heard anything on that. You're right. Bill Baino did leave during the season. Yeah. But it's not good, man. You go in that facility and if it's like fucking suffocating to be in there, if you got a head coach that just fucking nobody likes and nobody likes being around and every time they walk in the gym, it's just like everyone's like, oh, fuck, like, you know, here we go again. You know, if that's the case, you know, that's not good. And that's that's not good, especially with the team. You like they got to be they got to be all together fighting because they don't have great talent on that team. They got good talent, you know, and, and they could they need. Everybody together fighting for each other. They need a coach that has the locker room in, in, in check because they don't have any fran- like real true franchise top 10 players in their team. But they got all these guy- collective unit that could play well. But if you got a coach that the staff hates and you know, he hates them, they hate him, and the players don't like, that's a big – and you're fighting with management, that's a, big, that's a big fucking problem because you just gave up Nate McMillan. You know, you gave up Nate McMillan, who, yeah, he didn't have a great playoff record, but, like, players loved him, guys played hard. You know, they just didn't have great playoff success. Although you do have an owner that doesn't really spend either, so it's not like they're breaking the the bank to get players. And then you just gave him up, and you could have got Billy Donovan. You know, Billy Donovan they could have had, and they they took Nate Bjorken over him. So now you have, A, a coach who's, you know, really well-respected and killing it for Atlanta right now, and then you could have had a coach that's very well respected, organized, players like, and does well in Billy Donovan. And now you have this situation where it doesn't make you look good because you're gonna have to fire the coach. If you do fire the coach, now you gotta have to reset that shit all over again. Selected a new head coach. Who are you gonna get? Who's gonna want to go there? That's that's uh that's so these are some big fucking issues that they gotta deal with. 
I, there's no doubt, and I think I think you hit on the head too. They they need to be together, and they were Indiana the first probably ten games. I, I read some articles from back then. Um, even Sabonis was quoted as saying he loves Bjorken. He's 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 a basketball savant. He knows the game, um, and they were playing really well early in the season. Um, and like you said, I think it's just. Uh, it's just worn down on players, and that's the that's that's the beast of the NBA. The beast of the NBA is from for players, for support staff, for guys like yourself that have played development guys. It's that grind of every day. There's something going on. There's some drama. You're sore. You coached a bad game. If you're a coach, you you, you know you messed up a rotation. You got players giving you shit. You know, vice versa. Eventually, the people that you know they. Whoever it is, those natural instincts will eventually come out when you're when you're at your lowest point, and that's what, I think that's what we're seeing with Nate. And I think it's somewhere in between. I, I don't think it's extreme as this article has said. I don't think it's what Nick Nurse said. As uh, that, that's just usually how I treat things, unless I know a hundred percent. Where it's in between, which is still bad. Um, as we've spoken about a hundred times on this podcast, the X's and O's are now a minor detail in in NBA basketball. It is all personality management, people management, pumping a guy up when he needs pumping up. Maybe getting on a guy, but in in, in different ways. You know, one guy might 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 like abuse, like a Draymond Green. You could say whatever you want to him. You know, to fire him up, you can call him every name under the sun, and he'll respond to that. Whereas if you do that to another guy, then they might shut down. So, I think this is a prime example um, of all that. And one thing I had a chuckle at: <laughs> so Greg Foster and, and Gorga made up today. Um, they, they kissed and made up, and it happened to be recorded. Pro shocker, right? It happened to be it happened. Oh, to be, shocker, right? <laughs> happened to be right for their, their. I think they got a game today. Their pregame shooting time. They must be. They must be his workout coach. A camera caught them making up. I mean, what a what an absolute shocker! So, so they didn't make up in the locker room behind scene behind closed doors before they got on the bus in the hotel. No, they just they just happened to do it right when the cameras are on, and that's the beauty of of the Hollywood and the NBA. I got a real laugh out of that. Well, the NBA Golden Globes are going to be in a couple of months, so that's definitely going to be you know best supporting cast by supporting roles, definitely, but. Folks, like last thing on this, in my opinion, like you want to be a fucking head coach in this league, right? A, a young guy coming up, you have your opportunity. You're not going to get many opportunities to be a head coach, right? You want to be a head coach. First off, get along with fucking people. Like, I don't give a fuck what you know, because there's a lot of, there's some coaches that are fucking geniuses with X's and O's, and there's some coaches that don't know fucking shit. But you got to know, you got to be good with people. That's number one. You got to fucking be open in your locker room and say, look, I'm going to run this ship. I got to do things that I need to do for, for us, but I want your input and, and my door's always open. We may not agree sometimes when we talk, but we will talk and I want, I will support every one of you guys. It's not fake. It's not foreign. You know, I need the best players on the court at all times, but I need you guys to work and you got to work through things and some of you aren't going to be happy with playing time and opportunity, but that's okay. But we're together everybody's together and it can't be a lip service and then with your staff let your fucking staff work don't micromanage don't fucking berate people don't talk shit about your you know your staff you know you talk about one guy to another guy and say don't tell anybody because you know when that said every like you do that with everybody treat your staff like human fucking beings treat everybody like human beings they might not like the way you do things but just fucking give people a chance and be a good person the best you can. And I know this shit's tough. There's a lot of pressure on. It's a lot of money, you know, a lot of money on the line. But be a, you got to be able to communicate and you got to talk to players and have those tough conversations. But when you fucking, when you hear stories like this where you can't get along with people, you're making $4 million a fucking year. 
All right, hire somebody to teach you to get along with people because you keep having these guys keep getting fucking hired, folks, that they keep getting fired for the same fucking shit. And then when they like they go to their next job, oh, everything is great. You know, everything is great, you know, and then they revert back to who the fuck they are in a week, a month, a two months. And they don't understand you got a lot of fucking money riding on this. Figure out what the fuck you're bad at and then get somebody to either do that for you or fucking figure it out. Because this is, it's unbelievable what you fuck opportunities up. Wins or losses, whatever, you you have very little control of your roster. But if, if you fuck up because you get bad talent, that's one thing. But if you fuck up not because of your talent or, or no one's riding with you, but if you can't get along with your players and staff, give me a fucking break, dude. Come on. Oh, without a doubt. And that's that's the biggest thing. You know, if, if you're not going to you know, get along with people, it's eventually going to go. And, and look, some of the smarter coaches that struggled with that usually would delegate the bad cop role to the head assistant or one of the assistants. I've seen that in the past and that that somewhat works. It does create a, a bit of a strain between that assistant, but then at least it's not it's not a fireable offense for the head coach, right? So the smarter coaches would kind of do that, um, the good cop, bad cop routine or, or even vice versa. The, the head coach would be a bit hard on a guy and the, the assistant's role would then be good cop. But yeah, in, today, in today's day and age, you just can't, you cannot do that. And I mean, hopefully it works out for him, but I mean, I don't, I don't see it. I think it's gone too far. No. Um, even, even the TJ Warren stuff where he had him as an assistant there was reports he had him an assistant in um in Phoenix I think it was or somewhere else and and the moment he got to Indiana and found out they hired they hired Nate after he was there yeah I mean it's yeah this is minute 55 of the fucking movie Titanic the fucking iceberg already hit the fucking you know the water's coming up it's fucking you know you got to get out of the bottom level this shit's fucking about to submerge it's it's not gonna look good man it's it's, it's, it's as good a chance as me not fucking touching pizza in the next fucking 48 hours it's you know it's <laughs> fucking you know just just send it in all right and then with that this is about the stage where the coaching carousel starts, um, usually 10, 15 games left, there'll be, you know, for those of our listeners, the way this works is there'll be teams, um, personnel leaking stuff to media, there'll be agents, there'll be, you know, rival uh, coaches that want a particular job will have their their uh, finger in the pie with friends in the media trying to get guys fired so they can take that job. But we'll go through a few notable comments that I've read. Terry Stotts, according to Shams Charania, he reports that if if they don't impress in the playoffs, pro Terry Stotts will be gone in the offseason unless the team goes on an impressive run in the playoffs, according to a source who spoke with The Athletic. Stotts has one remaining year left on his contract. Stotts has, now has less player support than he had in the past. It's always interesting when they word it with doesn't impress in the playoffs because- What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Exactly. That's that's the first red flag for me. When when you see stuff that's that open ended and it's up to anyone's interpretation, what what does that mean? Does that mean championship, conference finals, second round, first round? Teams are really really uh, skeptical on putting publicly at least saying oh second round because then if they go second round and they still want to fire him, they can't. But I think um, you know Stotts is, as I was with him my rookie year, my first two years in the league. I think he's a wonderful offensive coach. I think he's got some really creative stuff. I think the defensive end just for some reason it leaves a lot to be desired wherever he goes, and I think that's that's where the struggle is for Paul. And like shit, they got they got enough they got enough scorers. To, to give you 100, 110, 120 on any given night. They just haven't really ever had, especially in this run with Lillard and McCullum, they haven't had a sound defensive kind of scheme and, and the way they, it kind of just seems like they'll switch one through five at times. It's kind of junky. It is what it is. And we're just going to come down and, and bang a three on you. And they win games doing it. Don't get me wrong, but the longevity of, of being consistent and winning and winning a playoff series just won't happen that way. Yeah, I think Terry is an unbelievable coach in the sense that like – his players love him. I think he's very prepared. 
he knows how to, he has presence in the room and he's a, he's just a gentleman of the sport and, of coaching and, and that, you know, some coaches aren't, some coaches like we talked about can't get along with people and, and things like that. I think that their roster is very flawed and in, in, in on the defensive end. I think when you have to rely on those two guys to score like they do, Willard and McCollum, you know, one's averaging 28-6, the other's 22-7, respectively. And then you got Norman Powell. That was a great trade they made. But, like, their bigs aren't defensive-minded. They're decent. They're good rebounders. But they're, they're offensive-minded. They're big, strong guys. You got Robert Covington, Carmelo Anthony. You know, that, that doesn't scream defense to me. You know, so – and I'm not really putting it on – um, I'm not putting it on their front office either, but I'm just saying, like, I think Terry Stotts has gotten a lot out of this roster. I think he's he does a great job. I think they compete every night. I mean, they've got one of the only players in the league that would stand up for what he thinks is right in Damian Lillard. Like, how many times do you get, you know, do you do you see players? Either, I don't care if it's fake or not fake. Like, how many players do you know that are, like, standing up for their coach, like, publicly and really mean it? And, or at least sound like they really mean it. And he has that. Like, in my opinion, he has that by looking at it. I'm not in that building, so I don't know. But their roster is good, but it's it's very limited. You know, like, they got to maximize to maximize. They got to battle through to win, you know, deep in the playoffs. Because look at their roster. It's good, but it doesn't scream, like, get a stop defensively. Like, you talk about, like, look at the team like Dallas, right? Dallas is, like, mostly offense right with Luca and you know Porzingis that they're great offensive players but defensively they're a little bit to be desired but they have other guys like Dorian Finney-Smith you know Richardson they got Maxi Kleber they got Dwight Powell like those guys clean up a lot for them defensively they don't really have that on their roster so to me like I understand how the NBA works too like you have a coach for nine years or so you're not really getting to the conference finals. You have to make you, – you feel as though you have to make a change. I don't think they should make a change in this case, I think, unless they really shit the bed in the playoffs like in the first round or, or what have you. Like that's different. But And plus, McCollum's been out a lot of the time. I know because I got him on my fantasy team. Again, I'm, I fu- I'm a fucking jinx. I know. But like they missed him for a while and they got to succeed. Imagine if he played most of the year, all the year you know, where they could have been four, they could have been five, you know, they, they might be looking a little bit different in their playoff picture. But I don't think you should get rid of the coach. But again, if you know how the media is, if you haven't won in a while, people start creeping up, oh, he, he doesn't have it and all that shit. But you got to look at your roster and how good you are compared to the, the conference, you know, the division, the conference, how you stack up and really look at it in a vacuum. But a lot of times, Owners don't do that shit. They look at it and they listen to the media. They listen to this person. They listen to that person. I, I think he's done a great job there. I think I agree that some coaches should be fired on this list. I don't think he's one of them. Uh, and, and to give them, uh, you know, a bit of credit, they have, they have had a, a horror run with injuries this season, mainly from their big spots. Um, they've had you know numerous bigs out. Zach Collins is kind of their energy, probably defensive shot blocking guy who's been out the whole year pretty much. Um, I think he would help them a little bit. Um, but I just f- feel like they've been stuck in that position for a while. Um, you know, they've been a five, six to ten team for a long, long time now, and I, I think that might be grading on 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 the owner owner ownership group and and the fans. And I think that might be the thing that bites Terry. But I think he's yeah, I think he's a fantastic people person. He's a fantastic coach. But yeah, they need they need to they if he does remain on, I agree with you. They need to they need to get a few guys on that roster.
roster that can can get them stops. Um, I think they had it for once or twice back when they had, I believe it was Harkless and a few other guys where they could at least somewhat compete defensively, but never had any stoppers. But they got to do something because, um, you know, scoring 110, 120 every night and then giving up 130-some nights and losing is, is, is not great. But we'll watch that one closely. There's a similar one with Budenholzer in Milwaukee. The <laughs> headline reads very similar. It says Budenholzer needs a deep playoff run to keep his job. So it says Milwaukee Bucks are likely to part ways. This is from Sam Amick with Mike Budenholzer as head coach unless the team reaches at least the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, sources tell The Athletic he has $7 million remaining on his contract as of next season. Apparently, when the Bucks were convincing Giannis to sign his Supermax extension while dissecting their own demise at the same time. Sources say there was a great deal of frustration aimed at Budenhoser that hasn't been forgotten. Budenhoser has, be- has been a bit more adaptable with some of his schemes this season. So that's an interesting one. I thought he was doing an okay job. I mean, their roster, you know, is it better this season? I think it is. They're starting five years and we've spoken about it. I think their bench still has a lot to be desired at times um so they're gonna i don't know how they'll go i mean they, they potentially could still you know have a nice push and, and get there but um i found that one interesting because he was a pretty heralded hiring um away from atlanta when they when they got him bogues everybody's fucking heralded until you know Too then fired. you start fucking playing games for your team right and then then you're just forgotten you're like an aging prom queen yeah. that's it yeah. nobody knows who the fuck the prom queen was three years ago and nobody knows who the hot assistant was three years ago now with this folks I think they do. It's a different story than Portland, in my opinion. Like, I think this roster is constructed a little bit better to win. You've got a player that, and you, you know, Dame Lillard is a top 10 player for, you know, in that, in that conversation. Giannis is a two time MVP. They got Middleton, who's an all star. They got Holiday, who's an all star. Brooke Lopez is good. I agree with you. The second unit, you know, is to be desired. They don't have a lot of great players there. They just have like tough grinding, uh, you know, role players and stuff. But you're in the East, which is a little easier than the West. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash the East all that, but it is a little easier. Um, you've got this MVP, you know, two time MVP that you know that just signed his extension. You made some moves, so I, I do believe they need to make a run. And like coaching to me in the league is a little overrated. Like I don't think a coach is gonna win you more games, and like you're not gonna win eight more games in the regular season if you you know if you have X coach versus Y coach. But I do believe in the playoffs, it really matters, you know, who your head coach is and how they could take you, prepare you, motivate you, you know, get things done. And you need a little bit of luck, too. And I do believe that I think he needs to make this push because they've been on the cut, you know, the the cusp of being good. They made an upgrade in their roster. I I do think that this is the time to really do it. There is some real pressure here. Um, I do believe that they should make a run in the playoffs. And with Terry... I was like, nah, I would keep him almost, there's almost like no scenario where I would fire Terry Stotts. In this scenario, if you do go out early, I think a, I think a conference final is something that you should definitely shoot for. And if you don't, you gotta, you gotta have long conversations about, about maybe replacing your coach. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. I, I think it's. Like I said, I think they've got every chance to potentially make a finals, and they, they have every chance to go out in the first round. <laughs> I think. That yeah, yeah. I think they've, that that's that helter skelter with them, just because they still. Folks, yeah. are you afraid of anybody? Are, are you like as a team this year, no. East or West? Are you afraid no. of anybody? It's 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 a shit. Show. It's uh, we've discussed this as well. Like it's it's COVID. It's the malaise of no fans. It's just the whole look outside your window and the world's on fire. The NBA. As far as picking a clear winner right now, 
like I've people ask me this, this shit all the time. It's one thing I get when I'm out out and about in public is like you know small talk fans will just be like, oh, you got who you got winning it, and I say the same thing. I have no fucking idea. I probably have. Yeah. You, you probably have a better chance picking it than I do because it just seems so. It's just not. It's so so clunky, and you got Brooklyn who can't get healthy, and uh, you know they lost four straight at one point. Um, they're on a four game losing streak. Washington surging now. Then you got Phoenix quietly dominating the league with Utah. <laughs> it's just like, I have no idea. The Lakers could forward while playing, which we'll get to later. I mean, oh, it's, it's it's fun. It's fun watching because I think it's it's actually nice in a way, to be honest, Pro. Like, it's actually yeah. nice to be, you know, watching, following an NBA season and not having a clear cut. Like, okay, it's going to be these two or three teams. We know it. Whereas I think there's genuine, genuinely probably six or seven teams that could end up in the finals. Folks, I tell you what. Uh, you know, call me crazy, but I think Dallas could compete for a championship. I think if constructed right, you know, like to me, it's, you know, everyone says I'm out of my fucking mind. And it will never happen, which I agree. It will never happen. But I think if they put, that they put Porzingis on the second unit, which you, they could never do. They could never ask him. I get it. But if you put him on the second unit with Tim Hardaway and you start like a Dwight Powell or Colley Stein at a five and give Luca like three shooters and a roller, I think it, they're better equipped to win a chance, you know, to, to go deep because now you try to get Porzingis and him off the floor with each other for like 18 or 20 minutes a night where, you know, they're going to be on the court together, of course, sometimes. But like you get that 18 or 20 minutes where you say, hey, look, just get yours. You know, like when Luca and these guys come out, we need someone who's just going to score and score and score and score and score. Because look at their roster. Like their roster is good. They've got a player that could figure out any scenario to win. And, and Luke, I mean, he's one of those guys that just like could figure shit out and make plays happen out of nowhere. There aren't many players in the league, even the top 10, that can do that. They've got this supporting cast of shooters, guys who play together, play hard. They got that second unit. Hardaway's a fucking nut who could score 38 any night. And, you know, they just had some bad luck with injuries and COVID and, and things like that. But like they can make a run. You know, I don't. I, it prob- they probably won't. But like, that's how that's how fucking open this thing is. Like, the Clippers can't put shit together. You know, like consistently. And maybe it's the regular season versus the playoffs. The Lakers, their second unit's trash, and they fucking you know they're up and down. Plus, they get those injuries. You never know what's gonna happen with them. You know, like Denver with with Murray being out. You know, like there's nobody that Phoenix. You know, Phoenix is good, but they can go cold. Like. Now, Utah is a different story, I think. I think watching them play and how they move and shoot and play together, even without Mitchell, uh, I think they're, they're one team that, like, you look at and you're like, oh, you know, they play the right way. They fucking shoot it. They space it. They got defense. They've got they got that home court. But they don't have star power, but they play together and they got they got all this other stuff. I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. That's why I asked your opinion about like if you're afraid of anybody, because I don't think there's a clear-cut champ. Like, like I mean, this could be the year that a team without a, you know, a Utah Jazz or Phoenix Suns gets it done, based on just how crazy it is, where you don't have two or three big superstars to get you, you know, that bucket. They got Donovan Mitchell at Utah and Chris Paul and um and Booker, but you know what I mean. They're not a Brooklyn big three or whatever it is. So it'll be interesting to watch, and I think it is. Yeah, it's just it, it's fun because you just you know even these playing games um they, they cause a, a lot of angst within teams and and um yeah we'll get to that in, in a sec. The, the next one I got from Shams is uh Scott Brooks had a playoff mandate entering final season with Wiz. So let me ask you, does that mean pro? 
is a is a is a pl- top ten a playoff? <laughs> does that does that does that tick a box for a playoff mandate, or does it have to get in the eight? Both, considering they take every team in the league plus the NBL champ, the Scandinavian <laughs> champ, and the fucking Switzerland champ in the playoffs, that everybody fucking makes it. So yeah, you're in, but. I don't know. A playoff mandate, I don't know what the fuck that means. But I don't know how you can guarantee that with that roster that they had and you know, in the beginning of the year. You know, now, like in the middle of the year when they start playing well, maybe maybe there's different things here. But I don't care what you do. I think you keep Scotty Brooks because like, you know, in the beginning of the year I was a little wishy-washy on it because they were they were so bad. But like they got it rolling. You got fucking you got Will Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, and Bill Russell all put together in Russell Westbrook. You know, fucking doing what he's doing. And you got like, you know, you're rolling right now. You're playing well. You're in playoff hunt. You know, at least in the play-in, play-in hunt. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think there should be any mandate put on Scotty. I think Scotty's a good coach. He's like, he's likes Terry. He gets along with people. He's a good coach. And he's not an elite great coach or anything, but he's a good coach. And I think that, that they're, they're playing hot for him and they're rolling with it. I think you, you know, at least extend. I don't know his contract status, but I think you, I think you should definitely look to keep him. That'll be yeah, uh, and just just the way they've come on late, I think it's really starting to click for them. They've had some injury issues as well, and they've had some tweaks they've had to make to the roster. And it's been fun watching them. I, ho- I hope they get into into the playoffs even beyond the play-ins because I, I like watching them. The last one I've got is Shams had Luke Walton's contract cannot be stretched if fired. So Luke <laughs> Walton does not have a stretch provision in his contract. Great, great agent. Whoever Luke Walton's agent is and Luke, great agent. That's fantastic, meaning that they can't. What teams can do is try to stretch a coach's contract out for a couple of years, meaning they can't necessarily get a job uh, for that time sometimes. It depends how how it's structured. But this means if they fired him, they'd have to pay him out completely and get, he gets his money and then he can go on and coach wherever he wants after that. It basically says the Kings have, have lost approximately $100 million due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which could also factor into the decision making on Walton's future, basically keeping him because they don't want to fire him and, and, and eat that money. Um, he maintains a good relationship with um, Monty, Monty McNair and several key players. Uh, Walton is the fifth head coach of the Kings since Vivek Runner Dave bought the team in 2013. So just another one to, to look out for. As I said, Walton's agent, genius, great move. Um, if you can get it, and I think they're they're stuck in a hard place. They're, they're they've been. I don't even know what the last when the last time was they made the playoffs. I think it was it was mid 2000s. We thought with our test, I think. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long haul for them. I wonder if that's an offset or a stretch because stretch as a player means that like okay, so if you get 20 million left in your deal. What they do, and you got one year left. What they do is they multiply it by times how many years you get left. So if you get twenty million and you got one year left, they times it by two plus one. So it's three years that they could cut that twenty million in. The offset, and the way I sort of read it, an offset is so say like you get you have um, you make two million dollars as a head coach in the NBA, and then the next year. You, you know, you get fired, you have one year left, you get fired, and you want to go to another team. If the other team pays you, say, $3 million, I believe, and I could be mistaken, but I believe your team that owes you the $2 million pays you the $2 million, and then the other team that you're going to only pays you a million for the first year until you get that money cleared out and then you go forward. So I'm wondering, because I didn't know that head coaches could be stretched, 
you know, where they could just pay you less of the same money, but like they, the they could chop it up over a certain amount of years. Yeah. 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 That's why I thought it was, I never, I've never seen it reported for coaches. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's a good thing because basically if they fire him, you know, you got to write him the check for whatever you owe him, pay him out, and then he can go and work where he wants. He doesn't have to take a sabbatical like some coaches do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good move. But let's go through, okay, we're going to go through every, you know, we're going to go through every head coach real quick just to finish this segment. Um, I've got I've got the list here. It's going to be safe as houses. That means they're safe completely. Flip a coin, obviously 50-50 and gone with the win, pro. Can you remember those? Yeah, Gone with the Wind, the movie, or just Gone with the Wind? Just Gone with the Wind. So, Safe as Houses, Flip a Coin, or Gone with the Wind. We're going to go with Nate McMillan with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, he's he's uh, interim, so he doesn't have a contract. So, we'd basically say, is he going to be there next year? Yeah, safe. What do you think? Safe as Houses, yeah. Ha- has to be there. Um, if I was Atlanta, I would get that done sooner than later because I think there will be some teams knocking on his door if he's a free agent coach coming into the offseason if they stall. Next one, Brad Stevens, Boston Celtics. What do you think? Oh, for me, I think he's still safe. I think he's um, pretty renowned as a as as a, as a good coach. Um, but I think it will go more towards flip a coin if they if they get out quickly. I think it'll be flip a coin. I think he's safe. I think just because the, the way they handle business over there. First of all, Danny really loves him. You know, he loves him more than any. You know, just as much, if not more, than any coach ever coached there under his, you know Ainge's watch. Plus, like, he had chances to probably get into one or two big-time college jobs, you know. So, like, I think that they will they will keep it status quo for at least another year. And if it doesn't work next year, then it's probably not going to look good. But I think he's safe. Um, you know, I, I think if he – I don't know if he's going to continue in the NBA if he does leave there. Look, he's a really good coach. Again, just like anything else, the roster isn't perfect. You know, it's not like one of those rosters that they should be, like, ripping through guys. But, I, I you know, I think they should have done – they should be doing better. But, you know, I just think how that organization is structured, they're pretty professional how they do things and they support their, their coaches even if they're losing um, or not doing that well, but I think they'll give him at least one more year to figure things out. Yeah, as of today, I would go safe, safe as houses as of today. James Borrego, Charlotte Hornets. Uh, safe. Safe, safe as houses for me too. They've they've overachieved in my opinion. They've done a, done a fantastic job and he's got them battling and playing well. So he'll hang around. Billy Donovan, Chicago Bulls. Now he's in the first year of his deal. So I'm going to go safe as houses on that one. Safe as houses, yep. yep. I got you on that. Okay, uh, interesting one. Larry Drew, the Cleveland Cavs. Well, considering Larry Drew is not the coach of the Cavs and uh, Bickerstaff, his son is. Well, there you go. There's a mistake on my end. I've got a. You got to fire the guy at Wikipedia. I've got a bad list. I've got a bad <laughs> list. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell if you if you put if you if you. JB Bickerstaff, yeah, okay. JB Bickerstaff, the son of Bernie Bickerstaff. He was the coach, uh, assistant coach at Houston, interim coach in some places. He was at uh, Memphis as a head coach. Got fired. And then went to went to Cleveland as an assistant with um, Beeline. And then when Beeline resigned or get fired, I forgot which one, he took over. Uh, he just signed a long, like a you know three year deal, whatever. I think he's pretty safe. Yeah, the internet lied to me on this one because this is supposed to be current coaches. But I'll check the rest. The rest all look good. Hopefully, hopefully Pat Riley stays on with the Lakers. You know, hopefully he can keep his job. <laughs> Red Hour back with the Celtics. Pros with the Mavs still. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> I will go, yeah, safe as houses. They're rebuilding, so I don't think they'll make any major changes. Rick Carlisle, Dallas Mavericks. Safer than safe could be. Yeah, I think we both have some some intel 
that uh, if we did, if I didn't have Intel, I would say flip a coin because he he has had a horror run the last ten years that they've been either bounced out of the first round or not made the playoffs at all the last since basically the championship, which was the lockout year in what, what was that two thousand twelve. So they need some success. If I was the outsider looking in, not knowing what I know, I would say flip a coin or gone with the win. But safe as houses, he's pretty entrenched in that franchise, and they they, they love him there, and, and vice versa. Yeah, the, the way Cuban does it is look like he supports them. They won a championship there. He's not one of those guys who just listens to every media guy. If, if you're his guy, <laughs> it's funny because I got fired, but if you're his guy, he'll keep you as long as possible. Look, they're, ten, they're like 10 games over 500. They're rolling. You know, there's no really big problem that's, that's ever come out in the media. You know, most coaches and most owners will probably make changes if, if you don't compete for a championship every third year. But I think the Cuban sort of sees their roster in those years in the last nine years. And if you look at it, they really, the only team that they had a chance of beating and, and advancing past the first round of the playoffs in the last nine years was San Antonio. And, you know, early on, I think it was like 2014, where like they took him to game seven and they shouldn't even took him to game seven. It was a, a miraculous shot by Vince Carter and, and they advanced to seven games. The Houston series when they had Dwight Howard and and, and I think um, Chandler Parsons got hurt with his knee. And, and Rondo, Rondo sat on the sideline. <laughs> the Rondo sat on the side. We had, they had, we had no, we had no fucking chance. None. You know, like they had no chance. And then with Oklahoma City, like the, the roster we had was okay. But then you're going against those fucking guys, you know, and just like I think I think what Cuban does is look at it individually. Like if you're if you're a two seed and you're not getting knocked out in the first or second round, then there's probably a different story. If you're a team that has no fucking business winning a, a playoff series, I think he looks at it that way. And then if you're going to replace the coach, who are you going to replace him with? It's not like there's a million fucking great coaches out there that aren't locked into their deals that you can get that's like, in your mind, a championship level coach. So, you know, I think he's safe. I think it'll take like a monumental breakdown in the playoffs on top of an awful season next year to even think about it. But no, I think he's safe. Yeah, I've got safest houses on that one as well. Michael Malone, Denver Nuggets. I think it's safe to say he's safe. Bugs, what do you think? Yeah, safe right now. Yeah, I think safe as houses. I think they've... um. And they've got the injury pass too, regardless of what happens this playoffs. I think he'll still get the pass. Detroit Pistons, Dwayne Casey. My brain tells me it's a no-brainer. He stays. He's safe. But new GM, they haven't really been winning. It's a coin flip. I think the reality of the NBA to get your own guy in there. And again, I don't know anything about it. I know Dwayne Casey. I think he's a, a really good coach. Players love him. He's had great success with teams. I do think it would be a, a coin flip, in my opinion, just how the league runs. Because there's always that one team that you think safe and won't fire their coach and makes a change. I'm not saying that he's out, but I'm saying my heart says and my brain tells me safe. But I think it's going to be a coin flip and just the NBA reality. Coin flip for sure, I think. They're kind of pivoting. You know, he's more of a, a decent veteran team, playoff team coach, I think. I don't think he's a I don't think he's the guy you want rebuilding with young guys, in my opinion. So I'll go flip a coin on that one and it'll it'll depend on what direction the um the GM sees things. Next one, uh Steve Kerr, Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I think it's um I think he's pretty safe. Safe yeah. as houses. I think he's pretty safe. Yeah, but. safe as he's got. He's got at least five years to fuck up before they even think about. Oh yeah, up. he needs to go zero and eighty two for the next decade. 
<laughs> he's good. So that was pretty easy. Steven Silas, Houston Rockets, I think safe as houses. They're in a rebuild. Rookie head coach. They they kind of they love him down there, and I think he'll he'll be around. Yeah, I think he's their, one of their best assets they got. I mean, he's a really good coach. I don't think they have much to work with. They're rebuilding. I think he's very safe. Although the way they fucking run their teams the last twelve to fifteen months, who knows? But I, I say he's safe. I say his houses. Yep. Um, next one we have. Okay, this one's a an interesting one. Nate Bjork and Indiana Pacers. I think I think he's out. What do you think, Boggs? Gone with the win. Gone with the yeah, win. I'm like, once someone does those spiels and you, you have to have other people defending you publicly to those extremes, um, I think your days are numbered and, and, and yeah, you've lost the players. It's actually on camera. Worst possible place to have a blow up. He's on camera during the game. It's almost better having it at practice because no one really sees it. So that was good. He'll be gone. Teron Lou, LA Clippers. Uh, safe as houses. What do you think? Safe as houses. Um, championship. Lauded coach, they searched him out. They they love him. Um, they loved him under Doc when he was there, and then won a championship with Cleveland. So he's not going anywhere. They'll have to think with their roster a bunch more in the future to even get him kind of to a flip a coin category, in my opinion. Memphis Grizzlies, Taylor Jenkins. Oh, safe as houses. He's done a great job there. He's done a great job, and they're they're competing right now. They're not they're not there yet as far as like a true top eight playoff, but. I think that they're they're doing well and they're young and I, I think they're good. Agree. Yep, they're doing a fantastic job and it's nice to see the small markets bounce back uh, with a, with a kind of an, an, an unknown coach to an extent. So that's good. Miami Heat, Eric Spolestra, um, safe as houses, not gone anywhere. Oh fuck yeah, yeah! I think he's the best coach in the league. I think he'll. I think he's he's definitely safe. Yep, Mike Budenholzer, Milwaukee Bucks. I think it's a coin flip depending on how he does. Same flip a coin for sure. Chris Finch, Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> uh, I think he's safe. I think with all the shit they had to deal deal with to get him, if they ever, I mean, yeah, like the fucking ground would fucking fall if if they ended up getting rid of him with the shit they had to do to get him. I think he's definitely safe. Safe, yeah, yeah, safe. And they are win- they are close to winning too many games for that pick that we spoke about last week. So we're gonna tell Edwards to fuck. Edward Edwards needs to chill out a little bit. He's trying to win too many games for him. Yeah, shit. Next one, Stan Van Gundy, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh I think he's safe. Although you don't, I'm not in that building, and you don't haven't heard anything about. Look, you know they they're sort of obviously they're spiraling out of control a little bit, and. Unless it like Zion doesn't like him, that's the only thing that could probably get him out this year. I think he's safe, but you never know what's going on inside in, inside that place with Ingram and, and Zion. If they like him, don't like him, they like his style or don't. But I, I think he's pretty safe just because he's he just got there. What do you think? I think it's a coin flip. I think um, I don't think they're entirely happy with the way things are going uh, with just the old school hard headed mentality that. You know, I, I think that's that's kind of been what I've heard from from there, uh, from numerous people, and I think that have they underachieved? Have they overachieved? They're probably they're about where we expected them. Maybe maybe should be around five hundred, but it's more so the way they've lost games. You know, they, they have there have been a few times where players have made mistakes, but for the most part, that that two traditional big men in the paint that we've spoken about at times. I think that's he needs to re, 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 rethink that in off season, and they obviously need to tinker with their roster a little bit too and bring in a bit more shooting. So I've got flip a coin with that one. Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks. I think we goes, goes without saying, safe as safe as houses. Yeah, they're gonna elect him governor and fucking and mayor of that fucking town. You know, he's he's fine. He needs to sign a thirty year deal there. He's good. Well, my list has a clear another mistake because they've got Billy Donovan at Oklahoma City, which clearly isn't the case. He's coaching two teams according to this list. Whoever did this list is is a moron. Um, gonna have to get get it fact checked, but. 
Oklahoma City. Who's the head coach there? Because I have no idea at the moment. Uh, he's a young kid with the. He's a young kid that was a manager at UConn that has the unbelievably hard last name to uh, to pronounce. <laughs> so let's just say I'm the OKC guy. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say he's he's safe. He's safe. They're in, he's a, re- safe. They're in a rebuild. And apologies for, for messing your name up. We'll uh, we'll correct it next week, maybe. Well, your list had Lenny Wilkins as their coach anyway, so don't worry <laughs> about it. I think Lenny's safe. Right now, back Orlando Magic, Steve Clifford. Again, it's one of those things I think in my heart, I think he's safe. But NBA reality, new GM came in. He wasn't their coach. You know, they're rebuilding. I think they should keep him because he's a, a fantastic coach. But I think I think re- NBA reality is a coin flip. I think he's coin flip as well because they're, you know, he, he was obviously a decent coach as well. Um, pretty lauded at times. But yeah, they're, they're, in a, they're in a rebuild situation with young guys. So it'll all come down to how the young talent likes him. The young talent likes him. They go in that GM, GM office at the end of the season and say they like him. He'll be back. If they say they don't, he'll be gone. So I'll coin flip on that one. Doc Rivers, Philly, goes without saying, safe as houses, first year there. They've <laughs> yeah, done, fa- done a fantastic job too, I think. That, you know, he's, I like the fact that he's really made a, made a conscious effort to get Joel down on that, on that block because he's, he's an absolute nuisance down there. He, he causes a lot of damage um, and he's just, you know, he's not, he's not spread on the three as much as he once was. I don't know if that was a conversation with Joel, um, whether he floated a little bit under Brett Brown um, just naturally because he got frustrated at times with, with Ben clogging up the paint. But Doc's done some creative things, even having been out there to still get Joel, you know, those mass post touches. It's it's been fantastic to watch. Yeah, Doc's an old school basketball guy. Like Doc's gonna line everybody up. It doesn't matter if you're the best guy or you're a two-way. He's gonna line you up. He's gonna say, look, this is what you're doing, this is what you're not doing. And if you don't do this, if you're trying to fight me on this, I'm just gonna take you out of the game. He doesn't care. Like, he cares about winning, you know, and you can bash him anywhere you want to bash him. Anyone wants to bash a coach. But as far as having control of the locker room, communicating what you need to be doing, he's he's one of the best I've ever seen at it. And he's not really a huge fan of the three-point shot anyway. You know, he obviously has to deal with it. But, you know, he's got that old-school mentality where if this kid could really help him by going into the paint – He's not afraid of Joel Embiid. He's not afraid of anybody on that roster. He's coached way better players than Joel. He's coached way worse players than Joel. So he could talk to a man to man and say, look, I'm not intimidated. This is the way we need to do it. I'm going to give you some things where like, I'm going to give you a lot of free reign with this. But the, here's like the two or three things that I need you to do or we're going to have this issue. Uh, this is why I think Doc's fantastic. I think he's been great for them because – you know, unlike Brett Brown, which I've heard stories about him backing down the players and sort of like not sort of having presence with them where like, no, this is not how you're going to do it or being on time and things like that. Like Doc's completely the opposite. He doesn't care who you are. He'll treat the best player, worst player off the floor or treat those guys the same on the floor, a little different, you know, he'll give more leeway to the better players. But I think, I, I think he's I, obviously he's safe. Yep, agree. Monty Williams, Phoenix Suns, safe, safe as houses. I don't think we have to get into oh, yeah. that one. He's they've, yeah. they've by far overachieved on a fantastic job. Terry Stotts, Portland Trailblazers. I, I got flip a coin on that one. You? Yeah, flip a coin. Depending on how they do in the playoffs. Luke Walton, Sacramento Kings. I've got flip a coin just based on the report we just read. I mean, if they're if they're struggling with money, will they want to? pay out a coach to leave. I think Luke's a good coach. I think he just – they've had – their roster's kind of, I don't know, something about it. They're, they're kind of half young and they're trying to go the young route and develop, but they're trying to also kind of win. It's I don't think he's had a fair shake as far as getting the roster that he's wanted, but I think he's probably moving towards flip a coin. Yeah, but you forget one thing. It's one of the more shit show organizations in pro basketball. 
you know, it's a fucking circus and how they run things. <laughs> and I think that, you know, if I had the fucking circus music, da, 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 that's their fucking theme song as far as just how they run things in the last five or, you know, a few years. And I think that he's gone. Keep in mind for everyone listening, this is the the, the owner, Vivek Ranadeev. He was with the Warriors as a minority owner. He um, he obviously bought the Kings, owns them. He was the infamous catalyst of having a G League team play four and five. And believe me, his record <laughs> since they fucking been with the Sacramento, I think they were playing four on five, to be honest. So I think his fucking plan worked. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Bogues, I think that he listens to a million people, in my opinion, from what I've been hearing. And they don't always do, like, it's easy to say all this shit about culture and I'm going to stand by you until you hit adversity and get punched in the face. And then, like, you're just fucking, you're just a tyrant on how you do things. Like, up is down, down is up, left is right, right is left. Like, And then they just don't, don't have any patience with stuff. I think Luke Walton's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's one of those guys who's good with the players. Players like him. You know, he's a player himself. He gets along. I've known Luke since he was in college, you know, um, at Arizona. And I think he's fantastic with that stuff. But I do think that the owner, the way they do things, they haven't won. They've had some a media about how bad their defense was all year. You've had some issues of people knocking off with the with the roster and, you know, talking out of line, especially with their roles and stuff. I, I, I expect them to probably make a change. They'll find a way to get the money. And I, I expect them to. And again, I don't think they should. Probably should be a coin flip, in my opinion. But I think they will make a change here. Okay. Because uh, they just can't. Yeah, they can't deal with the adversity. Yeah, yeah, maybe it might be just a reactionary thing. Greg Popovich, San Antonio Spurs. I mean, he's safe as houses until he wants to be. There's rumors that he might give it up in a year or two, but yeah, that one's pretty simple. Nah, he's safe. Hopefully, his fucking hair dude's gone with the wind, oh, but man. no, he's yeah, pretty he needs safe. To shave that shit off. <laughs> I'm not one to judge hairstyles too much, but, but it's a bad. I one. played Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. That he looks like a fucking wizard that's on every fucking manual that you'll ever get for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Nick Nurse, Toronto Raptors. He's not going anywhere. Save his houses. Nah. Yep. Quint Quint Snyder, same thing. Sorry, Utah Jazz. <laughs> you remember his name now? Oh, uh, yeah, Quinn Snyder, the guy that I thought that didn't have enough firepower at the beginning of the year to make a playoff run. <laughs> Again, you're welcome, Quinn Snyder. You're welcome, the city of fucking Utah. The city, the city of Utah. The city of Utah. You know I'm fucking moronic. Salt Lake City. They should call it Pro Lake City after fucking after I propelled them to a number one seed in the playoff. But no, yeah, safe is safe. safe. Safer than safe. Scott Brooks, just based on the media report, you'd say flip a coin. But um, I like him. I-, I hope he stays around, but I'd-, I'd have to just put it on flip a coin, judging on the reports that we've got. Yeah, flip a coin. Yep. Flip a coin. All right, that's our coach's wrap. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, just got into that a little bit. It's it's always always happens this time of year, and I'm sure we'll get some of them wrong and some of them right. And, and there's always one surprise or two, so we're looking forward to that. Moving on, the Lakers will most likely be in a playing game, so I've got my popcorn ready for that. I, I can't I- – I just – can't wait for that because it's um it could potentially. Uh, you know what, folks? Do we do we have the Lakers on our list? No, we didn't. did. We talk about the Lakers as far as the coaching. Uh, no, we didn't. Frank Vogel. Okay. No. What do you got? LeBron can't get him fired. You know, you can't. <laughs> well, he could, but he won a championship last year, and I think he's good, and he's dealt with this these injuries and things. So obviously, he's safe. He's not going to get fired. But if they go playing game and they don't get out of it. I you can't say fire him, man. Cool. You can't. Surely not. I know. 
But it's fucking L.A. But no, you're right. He's safe. I think he's safe for the safe. But you got a guy who could make a lot of things happen. And if he's not happy, but even LeBron's got to say, look, I've been out for a while. AD's been out for a while. Our roster isn't very good. It's basically us two and then a bunch of other just guys. You know, like, it's not like they have this great team that can carry us when we're out. Not many teams can anyway. They they take up about $190 million in salary out of their salary cap. It's hard, but... Yeah, I think he's safe, but you never fucking know in that time. I wouldn't say safe as houses. I'd say I'd, I'd put him between safe as houses and coin flip just because there's, I think you make a good point. That whole shit show of the Lakers and LeBron, that could go any way, any day of the week. So, but yeah, they, they most likely will be in a plane unless something drastic happens. It could be against Golden State, which I'd love to see. Um, LeBron has been out now. Um, I have, you know, he's been out and he's been away from the team with a, an ankle injury. I think they're reporting. I, um, I have some people. Who have some sources that said it potentially could be COVID, which would make sense why he's not around the team. Just not sure why they'd hide that. So I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's from a pretty trusted source. No shit. Yeah, saying that. So if that's right, that basically puts him out for the rest of the season. If you if you got that fourteen day protocol or ten day whatever whatever it is right now. Now my sources are telling me the guy who came up with the the guy who came up with the plan had it and sneezed on him on purpose <laughs> you know, behind his back. That's what, I've, that's what I've heard. I beat Woj to that one. Which we get to now. Um, there's been, you know, some comments from LeBron. Um, he basically, he said the guy who thought of the plane should be fired, I think, went, went pretty <laughs> pretty <laughs> aggressive with it, which, which I found interesting, which tracks me back to he was championing the playing game little over a year ago, he, he basically said that on a podcast, you got Portland, you got Memphis, New Orleans, Sacramento tinkering around there. So there's five or 10 games left. Why not let these guys battle it out? Make them play each other all five games. Obviously, LeBron made that opinion during the dead period last year, but his rationale was because the teams did not play a full season, the team should be able to play their way into the playoffs. Well, now it is affecting the Lakers. It's obviously something that's not good and someone should be fired. So a bit of hypocrisy there from old LeBron, which we see fairly often from from the King. But uh, yeah, just just an interesting one that I, I made note of. And and I'll, I hope they stay in the plane and I hope they face the Warriors and I hope Steph drops 60 on them and and and... Gives them an early exit. If you're a player, an owner, a coach, whatever you are, right, in the game, in the NBA, it's all the same. Like, if it doesn't affect you, you're all for it. If you're not the fucking guy, that the team that has to go through it, oh, this is great for the league. I love it. I'm so behind it. Just think about it. Like, watch it in the media, like how the season has progressed. And you know, like when the team wasn't f- like even close to being in that conversation of like, oh, it's great for the league, competitive, no one's tanking. And then you get to that team, that same team gets like close to the play-in. Who the fuck thought of this thing? This is bullshit. <laughs> that guy should be fucking fired. That's some oh, fucking bullshit. Like it's human nature, though. Yeah, it's just human nature. It's human like- nature, but you don't say it out loud. <laughs> like after you've been on record, saying out loud that you like it <laughs> it's just like <laughs> well let's be honest there's not a lot of fucking brain surgeons around that league for players you know the way they t- like like listening to your inner voice or at least not being a hypocrite and saying it like like how you said it in the beginning just said wait a minute before i say this just remember i did tweet this out three months ago that <laughs> it was better than fucking sliced bread and now i'm saying it's fucking brutal like you know, they say 1985 where no one records anything. Everything's on fucking record. Yeah. But even even with LeBron shit, like, 
Yeah, I mean, you got to be a little smarter. And plus, like, for the league itself, like, the league is promoting this thing. I think it's a good – it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's pretty good. I think it's good because now not as many teams are shutting it down when they're fake su- shutting it down. It's a little more competitive. Things are a little bit more exciting. I don't think it's the greatest thing ever, but, like, it is what it is. It's fine. Are you going to wait to see how it goes? Would you keep it long term? I would keep it. I would keep it long term just because, like, again – I like the 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 last three weeks of the fucking season is brutal. Awful. That's my point. It's awful. Like, yeah. If I'm a season ticket holder, I'm burning those last ten games if my team's in that bottom half of the table, man. Like I'm burning that shit. Yeah. You're gambling. Look, if you're gambling on it, you're like, what the fuck is this? It's like Mad Max <laughs> and the fucking you know Beyond Thunderdome. You don't you know, escape from New York. You know you don't know what the fuck is going on. Like as a coach. You know, you're you're promoting guys from private to general soreness every other day. You're trying to tank for the pick. It's fucking brutal. Your eyes are bleeding watching it. It's fucking brutal. I'd rather watch like, uh, yeah, nah, I wouldn't even say that. I'd probably get thrown off the air. But like, I, <laughs> literally, like, it's fucking brutal. You, yeah. you don't want to watch it. At least now it's like guys are competing. They're a game and a half out of 10, you know, stuff like that. It, it's not bad. It's just... Now the only guys that are tanking probably the last three or four guys in the in the league, yeah. which is I fine. I think it's cleaned it up for sure, and that's what we wanted, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it. I think it's good. Uh, I think it brings a bit of just that that element of one game NCAA tournament feel, and I like that as well. And I think anything that we can kind of you know tweak to stop tanking, blatant tanking, I think is a positive. And whether top ten should be in. You know, that's an argument for another day, but I'd, I'd rather take a top 10 in and stop tanking than vice versa. So we'll uh, continue to watch that space now. My girl, Liz Cambage, pro. Um, so we've had a little bit of a history. We've gone back and forth and I have no real issue. I like bantering a little bit with her and she gets fired up as I do at times. And she is the reason why we're talking about this. She's, she's the best female basketball from Australia right now. One of the best in the world, arguably. She took issue with a photo that the Australian Olympic team tweeted or put out about, you know, some I guess the clothing we're wearing and, and all those kits. And she's basically threatened to sit out the Tokyo Olympics after taking issue with the athletes chosen to represent Australian promotional shoots ahead of the games that there was not enough people of color. Going, you know, deeper into that, there were a few indigenous, there was an indigenous rugby sevens player who is obviously of, of a dark complexion. And she'd gone on to say, also, fake tan doesn't equal diversity. Now, she's backtracked since and said she wasn't referring to him. There was a few other people in the photo that are tanned um, that she was referring to. People thought it was obviously linked towards someone who was a little bit darker, but um, it has been pretty big news over here. Um, it has caused a lot of debate. You know, we are two white guys talking about it, which will really piss her off even more because she's then come on and been criticized by numerous people and said, I don't I don't take any criticism from a white man, which which is what it is. Even even a wog like myself, pro, who's not um not Anglo-Australian, doesn't doesn't take uh, what I say into consideration. But I mean what frustrates me with this is um counting the amount of different skin colors in a photo to me um is 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 just it's just poor form in my in my opinion and and we talk about represent representing representation of people of color and we want you know asian australians we want you know australians we want even you know croatian australians whatever right it's a pretty slippery slope once you start counting because there's you know for this fact i'm playing devil's advocate some of our most prominent people of color that play for Australia, Paddy Mills, Ben Simmons, they're playing in the best league in the world right now. They, they can't even come to that photo shoot. I don't think Cambridge can. She's probably overseas, you know? So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. This is made out like it was a, you know, a, 
a blatant effort to whitewash the photo to make Australia look white. Like, come on, not 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 in today's day and age. Like, that's, you'd, you'd be an idiot if you were running the AOC thinking to do that because you know you're going to get blowups. But I'm just kind of a little bit disappointed in the fact that you know we're going to have to start counting different skin colors. I mean, how, can I go to the AOC and say, hey, there's no Croatian background Australians in that photo? What the fuck? This is a, this is a, a play against Croatian Australians or, or, or Balkans, you know, because the Balkans were in a war ten years ago. You think we're all angry people? Is that why we're not in the photo? And that's where I'm frustrated with this pro. I think it's just something that you know she's she's the face of Australian basketball. Fantastic player, you know, very very her, her skill level has gotten better better every year. So she she used to dominate mainly because of her size. She's gotten better in, in doing different things, and I've appreciated watching her growth. I can separate the off court with the on court, but I I just don't think this helps any situation going into an Olympics. What, what are your thoughts on it? Not really having a, you know, you're kind of not partisan. Right. You were telling me about it last night and then I had to look into it. And so I don't really know like her history on this and, you know, her stance, obviously you sort of get an idea of it. Look, our world is, is gone totally fucking nuts with like inclusion. You got to include this and you got to include that and you got to include this. Um, yeah, and it and it gets to like, all right, what point are we gonna stop? Like, like not not trying to include people, but like at what like now you're trying to say that one colors or one or one background is more important than the other, um, and then you, I feel as though like if she's the face of Australian basketball, that she could have used her sort of influence to maybe have a meeting and say, look, you know, this is what I'm thinking. You know, I, I'm taking a little bit of offense to this. Uh, we'll keep it between us. I'm not going to like promote it out there, like you know, and throw your your face in the mud. And look, I, this is what I, I I'd like to see this going forward. If we could, um, that's the old school way to do it. Now it's just like you scream racism or you scream prejudice, like on top of your lungs, threaten not to play. Like you can't like you know, look, she could do whatever she wants, but you can't like threaten and and, and protest everything. There are, are professional ways to do it. And then that little comment about the tan thing. So does she supposed to get away with that? And if a white guy just said that, like, are we supposed to get away? Like, that's the thing that I have a problem with. Like, look, talk to him about it. Like, yeah, in, in Australia, like, yeah, I get it. Like, in today's day and age, you probably shouldn't put out all white people. But then again, I'm not going to be all that upset about it if you do. But, like, maybe you could have thought about it a little bit. But look, if she got that upset and she has that much weight behind her and her brand and her, 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 her stature and her talent, like go to them and say and be professional because like and that's the that's what's lost in translation in all this folks about being a professional player, men or women, like like professionals actually talk to people. They look them in the eye and they're like, look, I have a problem with this. Let's try to fix it or try to like going forward, let's try to get better, right? And this is what I'd like to see. And then have some dialogue instead of, you know, tweeting out a peace sign and saying, well, maybe I'm not going to play or I'm going to sit this one out. This is your fucking country you're talking about. Like, you know, this is like you want to represent your country and this is how you're going to do it. Like, look, I could see if she had this conversation and they were like, fuck off. And then, then you go to that extreme. But to have that extreme based on a fucking picture is a little ludicrous to me. It's a lot ludicrous to okay, me, but bro. that's how our world is. So I'm probably devil's advocate. How do we what, – what's what's the ratio? Do, are we are we now going to have <laughs> team photos based on population? So like are we going to say, okay, there's 
15 uh, percent of, of Australia is are people of color. So fifteen percent of all photos, or vice versa. What about the NBA? Are we going to now go? Okay, do you do, do you base the NBA on 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 skin color in the league for photos, or do you base it on the American population? Or let's that, go to, let's go to the Philippines. Let's go to Japan. Yeah, like, it's just, and that's what I'm saying. It never ridiculous. stops. It's absolutely ridiculous. It never stops. I get it. And like I said, like I don't, I don't care about photos. They could put like I could be in a league. And they could have all black people for the, or all Asian people or all whoever for the next century. And I wouldn't give a fuck. It's not a big deal to me. It's a fucking photo. Now, if you're, if like you go to the Olympic village or you go to training camp and you see that like somebody's being mistreated, that's when you use your fucking voice. That that's a big deal to me. Without doubt. That's a big deal to me. A fucking photo isn't a big deal to me. Or if if you showed up for the photo and someone said to you, oh, you're a little bit too dark for this photo. Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you saying like, fuck that. Yeah. That's bullshit. But if this yeah. is, you know, I just feel like this is- a, a non-issue, in my opinion, and like I said, where, where, how do you, how do you structure this in the future? Okay, so the AOC says, okay, Liz, we take what you say, you're right. How do we fix this? Well, I want X, Y, Z. What, what's the formula? What formula are you giving us? Percentage of population in Australia, percentage of um, athletes that are representing Australia in the Olympics that are people. You know, how do we? <laughs> it's going to become. Yeah, a, no, I agree. It, there's it's going to be more analytics in that than fucking the NBA analytics, and that's where you know. I mean, and then just the comment around fake tan, whether she meant it or not, to the indigenous. It's just like, man, now you're bringing a, a guy into this that that that's brought in uh, to probably answer questions on it. I don't like it. It's it's no surprise. Um, I, I disagree with it heavily um, because I go back to like I said. Okay, give me give me some Croatian. Australians, where's the Greek Australians, where's the Italian Australians, where's the Asian Australians? Like you it just goes yeah. on and on and on. You might as well not ever do a photo shoot again if that's if that's really gonna bother you. Um that's our world. You know, and and, yeah. it, and it is. And I think obviously it blew up because of her profile. And she has every, I'm not saying I'm all about free speech pro, so she has every right to put her opinion forward. People have the right to disagree with it and agree with it. I disagree with it um, respectfully. I think it's silly, but I'm not going to say that she shouldn't say it. Like she, she has every right to say what she wants to say. If, if that's what she's passionate about, I think it's silly. She might not. We move on with life. But I just thought I had to call that one out. Just, just being involved in basketball and all that, I think it, it also takes away from you know the Australian Opals, which is a, the basketball team potentially winning a medal. They're probably going to have a, a pretty good run at it. And, and then the Australian Boomers, it takes away t- attention from what should be you know in these shitty times um, with what's going on. Uh, you know, a positive sporting event coming up. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with that. I just don't like the way she did it. Look, if she has a problem with it. That's that's her. That's her prerogative. That's good. She could she could voice it. But the way you voice it. You know, oh, I'm, I'm like, I don't get what I want. I'm taking my ball and going home. Peace out. That's like, to, to be honest, if I was running Australian basketball, I said, all right, fuck it, next. At what point do you say, wait a minute, we're not going to be held hostage here. If you have a problem, talk to us and maybe we can work something out. Maybe we can't, but at least have dialogue. That's a professional way to do it. Not, oh, I'm just, I don't get what I want, so I'm not going to play. Like, if I'm fucking, if I'm reading the newspaper or reading that shit online the next day, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, like it is what it is. I agree with you. When does it stop? You know, if I don't get my way, when do I, like, I just keep protesting, protesting, protesting. Like I said, if there's a big thing, if it's, it's, if it's a mistreatment of people, that's a huge thing. And then you should use your weight and your stature to fucking, to, to say what you want, how you want to say it. But if it's something like a fucking picture, come on. Some fucking, some poor bastards making fucking minimum wage putting that shit on the fucking internet. Like, you know, come on. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'll tell you what, that that person who put that on and the fucking person who created the fucking you know created the fucking plan and having a bad week this week, having brother. I'll tell week. you that. Real bad week. They're just, they're just in hiding right now. All right, pressure time for you and I. We um spoke about the boomers roster, the twenty-four last year. Uh, la- last week, last year, last week. And um we, we both did some homework where we're we've gone down. So from what I understand that they have to pick fifteen within the next couple of weeks. They have to cut they have to cut it down to fifteen. That fifteen will, will then go into a training camp. Um, in I believe it's LA early June-ish or July I think it's early July early July they'll go over there they'll complete a um, a training camp and then they'll cut they'll cut the next three which then takes a squad of 12 to officially go there's, there's some dates that I don't have right now that haven't been announced but they have to they basically have to cut it down to 12 by a certain period so they're gonna get to move on with that so we we have decided before we start yep. before we start you don't have Andrew Gaze on that fucking list do you <laughs> Because your list is a little outdated these this, this episode. <laughs> he's probably he'd probably still want to play, Gazy. Probably still want to take some minutes from one of the young fellas. Well, the thing is, he looks the same. He no, looked the same he when he was like seventeen that he is fucking whatever age he is now. Yeah, the silver assassin. Okay, I'll go first then. Just to now, the, this would be my rough starting five. This could be obviously tweaked depending on how things go. But I would start. Okay, um, as an hour, I would start Ben Simmons at the one one slash four. Patty Mills at the two. Joe Ingles at the three, Matisse Thibel at the four, now and, and Aaron Baines at the five. This lineup is very, very multi-dimensional and, and positions can change. So Ben can go to the four, Thibel can play, you know, two, three, four at times. Um, and then you've got Bainesy, Aaron Baines, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later. He's not playing a whole lot right now, but he can stretch the floor shooting the three ball. Um, so I like that for my starters. My bench, I have Dalavadova. Chris Goulding, I think, brings some shooting, some firepower. Um, if we need a, an ISO bucket every now and then, I have Josh Giddy in there for obvious reasons. I think whether he plays or not, I think having him on that squad is very, very important to, to set the, the bar for what, what he's going to need to do in the future for our national team and the culture and all that. Josh Green from the Dallas Mavs, um, having a fantastic year, especially at the defensive end, I think, for, for a rookie. Um, Ryan Brokoff, I had, I, I put him in. He's had a, a disrupted year, COVID, um, moving back from the States to, to to Melbourne. Now he's got an eye injury, he's in and out of the lineup. But in my opinion, you can't not take enough shooting to, to an Olympic Games. And he you, just, mean broker off. Broker off, you mean yeah. broker off? Broker off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Me, I didn't give, know who this broke off character is. You <laughs> give me shit. Yeah, yeah. Broker <laughs> off. Um, but you need shooting at these <laughs> events. So that was a main reason why, even though he hasn't had a great year, he's still a guy you put in that corner spot when you're running a set and no one is leaving that dude. So that's the reason why I had him. Now, Xavier Cooks, I had in um, a disrupted season, injuries, but a guy that can play multiple positions. I like multiple position guys on our roster. Um, I think he's in the 15. Mitch Creek has had a, had a great year in the NBL, shooting the three ball at a much better clip. A reason why he initially got cut from the 2019 squad was he could not knock a three ball down in camp um, to the point where he actually felt bad because some of these shots were going in and out. They'd hit the rim six times and bounce out. Just couldn't make one. We cut him. Xavier Cooks actually got hurt and then we brought him back in and he was fantastic for us. But since then, he's gotten the gym and, and I think he's shooting at 40% almost in the NBL, which is fantastic at, at volume, not not feet set, dare threes at volume. So I put him in my squad. Jock Landale, um, he's in there for obvious reasons, having a, having a good year with Melbourne United. And then Nick Kay, who had a fantastic World Cup run for us. Um, he's playing over in Spain. And Isaac Humphreys, I had just an extra big body, need size. And that's my 15. Now I've got now Kay Landale. They can flip flop four or five. Um, you've got Baines in there at the five and Humphreys. That's probably my, my they're my four or five men. Um, you probably could argue, do you want another big body? You could, but 
We'll see how that goes. So my cuts were Dingadell, which is for obvious reasons. He just got cut by the the uh, Illawarra Hawks and that Brian Gorgian coaches the national team. So that was a no-brainer. Hope you didn't have him in there because uh, I don't think he's even going to show up for the camp. Who was that? Who was that, folks? The last guy? Dingadell. Dingadell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had him cut. Yeah. I had him cut. Uh, Mitch McCarron, I had cut. Dow White, I had cut. Will Magnay, I had cut. Brock Modem, who's in, on the fringe, but I had him cut. Thon Maker, cut. Uh, Mitch Norton, cut. Duop Breathe. Now, Dante Exon was probably the hardest cut, in my opinion. He was the last cut for that 15. Um, you could argue that you know you could have him in instead of maybe Giddy, maybe Josh Green, but Exum hasn't played this season. He's, he's dealt with a lot of injuries. He pulled his calf. I haven't read. He pulled his calf in... January, February, I haven't read too much since then, so I don't know if they've just shut him down and get him ready for next season, but he's got a very important off-season coming ahead um, if he wants to remain in the NBA where he needs to put some work in over there and and um, you know try to solidify himself for the next five, ten years. So I think it's almost smarter in a way for him to to not not play for the national team and, and get his body right and, and get healthy. So they were my cuts. Um, it wasn't too hard for the most part, but there were – I mean, Dante Exum was probably the hardest one. Um, Brock Modem was, was, was fringy, but the rest were, were pretty cut and dry. What do you have? Well, folks, um, I sort of had a lot of the same guys that you did. Um, on your team. So the starters, I would, I would just tweak it a little. I, I would tweak a little bit. I wouldn't have Thibel starting just for the lack of shooting. I'm going to have my guy Broker off starting, you know, so I need a good accountant in the top five. Uh, Ben Simmons and Patty Mills with Broker off, uh, Ingles, obviously, and then Baines at the five. I'm not great with lineups or whatever. I like, I like Ryan shooting. I like the ball moving, the shooting. Now the lack of defense could hurt. I, I know that, you know, Brokeroff could give Ingles uh, ten fingers to get to get to the rim and dunk, and the same thing can go for Ingles giving Brokeroff ten fingers to get the dunk. But um, I do think that you know I like that lineup. Whatever Thibel could start, I just don't like the lack of shooting with Thibel and Simmons. And I like the I like the defender, the stopper coming off the bench with the athlete, you know, being an athlete as well. But here's the here's the fifteen that I chose: Delavadova, Giddy, Mills, Simmons. Green, Ingles, Brokoff, or Brokeroff in English, uh, Golding, Dybul, Mitch Creek, Baines. This is the one difference I have with you. I cho- chose the kid, Duop Reith, Isaac Humphreys, Nick Kay, and Will Magne. Is it Magne or Magne? Magne, yep. Magne, yep. You had him in. Wow. So who, who, have you, who are your cuts? My cuts would be Norton, Exum, uh, McDowell, White, McCarron, Longdale. Although I did like Longdale, he was probably the toughest cut for me because I sort of did like him watching, you know, watching him. Who the hell is Lawndale? Does he cut lawns? Yeah, he should. But yeah, <laughs> Longdale. Is it Longdale? Jock's making the team, bro. Yeah, you're crazy, man. But okay, yeah. so so again, I don't know no, a lot I'm about the team. Go so, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Who else you got? Yeah, and Thoughtmaker, uh, Brock. Cooks and Ad- uh, Dang Adele. Those are my cuts. Again, I-, I don't know anything about the roster. <laughs> so you had Cooks and Landale out. That were your differences. Yeah. I had Cooks and Landale in, and you added Wreath. And who was your other add? Magne. Magne. Yeah, Magne. Magne. Yeah. And Magne yeah. is Magne's, You know, he's about to play this weekend, I believe, or next weekend with Perth. So um, we'll see how he goes. Hasn't played a whole lot of basketball over the last couple of months. Um, being been on the bench with with New Orleans, but I mean, pretty close. I mean, I think they're. 
some of them are coin flips, some of them are hard. Um, I think the 12, the 12 is going to be much harder to pick, especially if, you know, we're not going to be at the camp. So the, the 12 is going to be a tough one because you, you essentially need to eliminate three of those 15 Folks, out of, out of my cuts, what would you say, pro, you're out of your fucking mind. These guys are, these, this one or two players are definitely fucking in. I think the Cooks one is is is, is, a, is a coin flip because he's, he's been injured. Um, he, he's hopefully coming back this Thursday for his first game with the Kings. Um, he's been injured the last two years, really on and off the court, hasn't got healthy. So I, I, I totally agree with that one. Um, you could replace him with Magnay or Reith. The Landale one, I think, is 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 a tough one. Um, I think he'll make the team. So I think the, the Landale one, yeah, will be good. Okay. All right, so moving on from the Boomer stuff, we hope that um, was intriguing to listen to. We'll see how that goes. We're going to move on to useful or useless stat. One you brought to my attention that we had a laugh about. I think you even somehow managed to message Joe Ingles about it um, via direct message. But Joe Ingles, true shooting percentage, all-time leader, right? He's in the running. He's yes. close. Um, I had to look it up, and I, this is the definition. I still can't get my head around it. In basketball, true shooting percentage is an advanced statistic that measures a player's efficiency at shooting the ball. It is intended to more accurately calculate a player's shooting than field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and three-point percentage taken individually. Two and three-point field goals and free throws are all considered in its calculation. It's a previous TS is, is TS percentage. Um, but basically, Joe Ingles, you know, he's 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 in the running to be. Finishes the season shooting the way the the way he is as the all time leader for a regular season, which is pretty impressive. I mean, just gets it done. Slow mo Joe takes his time. There were some funny comments with with this. He Joe Ingles. I honestly googled at one time to try and figure it out. Figured out what they were talking about. I had fucking no idea. Still, after reading it, Ingles says I didn't understand it when they said it. I don't understand it when I googled it. It's just been it's just been at every off season process i sit down with queen and say what did i suck at this year <laughs> so i mean joe's a joe's a hilarious fellow at the best of times a great sense of humor realistic about where he's at as a basketball player but um do you see this as a useful stat or a useless stat well i want to know who the 45 year fucking old version that fucking living in his parents basement that came up with this fucking stat is i don't think this is like it's not weighing anything Really, in my opinion, like, tr like, e, you got a million fucking stats out there, right? Like the e, the e shooting percentage, or I forgot if it's e. I think it's e shooting percentage, the e field goal percentage, like weighs the three point shot more than the free throw. I mean, more than the two point shot. So like, it gives you more sort of percentage points or more value for making threes versus that. This is points divided by is a fucking equation that you have to be. Goodwill hunting fucking Matt Damon to figure it out. It's uh, two parentheses field goals attempted plus parentheses 0.44 times your free throws attempted. So I have no fucking idea why this should like differ. The E field goal percentage, I, under I sort of understand a little bit. But this, I think this has no fucking bearing. You know, and the only reason why that fucking, that Ingles answered me was because I was I was telling him that he fucking he could play Woody Harrelson in White Man Can't Jump Part Two and he was all fucking over it and he was pissed that I I, I, I fucking catfished him in that fucking re that respect, but um, yeah I just I don't understand it but you know what his approach was fucking great the, you know what I work on I asked my coach what the fuck do I need to work on and I work on it it's unbelievable right that's how that fucking shit works that's a new revelation <laughs> no shit. yeah what right I, what, I need what to am I bad at yeah. Yep. Yeah, coach, I, I want to get on the floor more. 
Can you give me an honest answer? Well, Joe, you fucking, you're good at this, you're good at this, you suck at this, and you suck at this. Okay, I suck at thing number one, I suck at thing number two, I'm going to go in. I'm not going to get some MIT fucking stats geek and tell me my fucking, you know, true shooting percentage needs to increase. Like that, I don't fucking like. But then again, I'm an unemployed fucking out of the fucking NBA and hireable. So maybe I'm, maybe they're onto something. I just think there are some certain stats that are, you know, that are decent. That one to me, again, you, I, I can't wrap my fucking head around it. You know, I don't fucking understand it. It just, yeah, that to me is totally fucking bullshit. But you know what? If he has a fucking a clause in his contract where he makes a million dollars for fucking leading the league in that, God bless him because I don't, I can't wrap my head around that. Shit. Yeah, I mean, I can't wrap my head around it. But um, I'll go useful just based on whenever an Aussie is an all-time leader in something, it's useful to me, baby. Oh yeah, shit, fuck yeah, that guy is a fucking character, Ingles. <laughs> I need to go. I need to fucking hang out with him. He could have twenty-eight beers, and I could have fucking three bratwursts and fucking four large pies. We could sit back and have some fucking one-liners. We gotta get him on the show, Bogues. We gotta yeah, we'll do get it. Him on. We'll get is him there on. a way? He's, he's been busted our nuts to get on to get on as well. We'll get him on down the track. Hopefully, I'd, I'd rather have him in studio with me. So, um, just keep, keeps you as the awkward one, remote. But uh, we'll get we'll get him on down the down the line for sure. Perfect. Perfect. All right, I got a doozy. Useless or useful? This is pretty. <laughs> this answers itself. All right, I saw this stat, ESPN stats and info on their official. Someone actually sent it to me. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kevin Durant played each other three times this season and both scored thirty plus points each time. They are the first former MVPs with three thirty point games against each other in a season since. Get this, bro. Since Wilt Chamberlain versus Oscar Robinson in 65-66. Is that not a useful stat? Yeah, that's great. That's that's as useful as the, the guy saying my fucking food has high cholesterol. I mean, come on, give me a fucking I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, they're MV they're three time MVPs or whatever the fuck they are. They should be doing that. I don't really get I hey, good for them, it's but so I don't really random. give a fuck to like, be honest. It says all right, they, yeah. they've played each other three times and both scored. Th- Who the hell keeps track of this shit? They've played each other three yeah. times a season, and because they're, they're form- both former MVPs at one point in their career, it's the first time they've scored thirty against each other each time. Like, what the? What, who is doing? It's ridiculous. A forty-six-year-old virgin that lives with his fucking parents. That's who did it. <laughs> That's who finds it. Hey, hey, John Wright. Congratulations, brother. Oh man, that that one killed me. When someone sent me that, I was like, this is this is the exact reason why we've got this segment. It's stupid ass stats like that. But I digress. Fact or fake news? What do you got? Folks, we got a couple of good ones. Uh, Scott Brooks mentioned in, in a presser like last week that Russell Westbrook is second best point guard of all time. Fact or fake news? Who did he have as one? Do you know? Magic? I think he had magic. If I, if I, had, a, if I had to say it, I think he had magic. Oh, man. It's, it, these things are so hard, I think. Second best? Pro- I mean, I've got Steph up there. I've probably got Steph above him just because of, of rings, whether that's fair or not with KD joining and whatnot, who knows. I mean, Westbrook's in the conversation, in my opinion. I think he gets – we spoke about this maybe two or three pods ago. He, he, he does not get as much respect as he deserves because people think he's triple doubles. A hollow to an extent. Yes, at times he's chased them blatantly um, in losing games. But he's, to average a triple double, man, is not easy. I, I, don't care, I don't care how bad your team is, how much usage you're getting. Teams know you're going to be – you're going to have most of the usage on a team and, 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 and scout for that and prepare for that. He still goes out and does it. And they're starting to win games. Um, I think he's up there, second best, probably not. I'd say fake news for second best. Yeah, I'm going to start changing this segment to fake, fake news or don't give two fucks because I don't care who anyone <laughs> has in their top five, top two. Hey, look, 
what he's doing is ridiculous. It's unbelievable stat-wise. Like, running through it, you know, running through it like I do in a Pizza Hut buffet. Like, it's fucking, it's nuts what he's doing. But, hey, look, everyone has a different sort of criteria who their top guys are. Plus, let's be honest, you know, he's coin flipped for keeping his job or not. It might want to be, you might want to keep that big dog happy, you know, as well. Like, and most of the things that coaches say in these situations, of course, they're going to say things like this. I don't care. If he does have it, great. God bless him. I think he's an unbelievable talent. One of the bit fiercest competitors the league's ever set and seen. I don't think he's a top two point guard. You know, I've got Stockton. I've got Steve Nash. I've got Steph. You know, guys like that. But again, who the fuck am I? I mean, again, if that's your top two, God bless you. I don't have him in the top two, but it doesn't mean that I think he's a bad player or anything like that. I just, I think I valued what those guys did a little more. But that's just me. Everybody's got a different opinion of this shit. Beauties in the eye of the beholder, pro. What do you got next? Talk to my wife about that shit. <laughs> she's blind, isn't she? Blind, dumb, and stupid if she's, high, if she's, if she's <laughs> marrying me. I'll tell you that. Nick Wright, Bogues, another fucking genius, came out <laughs> and said, if Jokic wins the MVP, he'll be the worst MVP in 35 years. Fake uh, fact or fake news? Fake news, guys. What, you, what is he talking about? I need to watch that whole spiel on why he said this. I mean, they changed his name. Yeah. Nick Nick Wrong, that's his name. Not Nick Wright. He's Nick Wrong from now on. I yeah. mean, how can you- The yeah. worst worst MVP in 35 years. This idiot's probably basing it on like, he's not athletic. He doesn't do windmills. He's not a highlight guy. Like, do you watch basketball, dude? Like, it's he's having yeah. a historic season. He's- Carrying a team that's just had a boatload of injuries, and they're still as I as as we record this, they are punching Brooklyn forty five to thirty one, make that forty eight to thirty one at home. He makes everyone on his team better, and they're having a great year. Like to say he's the worst MVP in thirty five years. I mean, yeah, I think that's just some clickbait for people to like us, like us idiots to talk about. But he is now known as Nick Wrong. He's Nick Wrong for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing though, folks. It's the MVP. So it's like a lot of great fucking players won the MVP. So, you know, I guess you could like try to rank them or rate them. I think it's just useless to say it because it's making it sound like the guy's trash. 100%. You know, and that's the thing to me. Hey, let's compare him to the MVPs and see where he ranks and, you know, in the MVPs. And then you could have those discussions. But when you say, well, he's the worst MVP in the history of, you know, mankind. Look, it's not like fucking Dante Exum is picked to be the MVP. No offense to Dante Exum. But this what this guy is doing is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. You know, it's unbelievable. Did he give any reasons? Um, I did not read into that. Now, I'm sure he went into stats and, and all this stuff. But, like, it was a big deal in the news in the last week. But, again, like, if LeBron won it or Westbrook won it or Chris Paul won it, you know, Luca won it, you know, he'd be all over it. He'll be all over it. It'd be like a schoolgirl around those guys. But a guy like Jokic, because he's, again, he's not pretty at what he does unless you're a basketball purist. He wants to shit all over him. And it's, again, it is an MVP thing. It's not like he's the worst player ever seen. It's like, you know, you got to compare him to guys like LeBron, Kobe, Duncan, Dirk, you know, Nash, you know, all these other guys that won the MVP. I just don't understand how, I don't know, I I'm not overly sensitive to these things, but when you say shit like that, it's like, it's complete fucking clickbait. It's complete no fucking doubt. clickbait. No doubt. Yeah. And the third one, Ben Simmons plays for the Australian Boomers in the 2021 Olympic Games in Japan. Oh, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to preface this by saying I want him to 100% play. 
But judging on previous form, I got to say fake news until he suits up. You know, he hasn't. He's 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 had an out every every kind of. You know, the last couple of big campaigns has always been something that's not worked out or he wasn't able to play for whatever reason. So I want him to 100% play. I hope he does. I think, you know, it puts us at an elite level, uh, both defensively and offensively, and gives us a, a really, really good chance to, to medal. But I'm one of those guys, and until you show me it, I got, I got a fake news here. You know what? I'm going to say fact on this one. I think he does play just because his management team probably sees the opportunity to, like, look. Let's throw these guys at bow. Now, it's not I'm I'm gonna say it's he doesn't get hurt in the playoffs. God forbid. He does you know, the COVID doesn't cancel the Olympics to sort of cancel the, the question out. So those two factors, if he does if he is healthy and he doesn't get hurt in playoffs, that he will play just because he's gotten so much shit for it. I don't know. I I spent about a week with the kid in China with Nike. You know, I, I don't really know the kid at all. And I've, you know, I've heard some plus things, some minus things. I'm just going to say he plays just for that whole brand thing. And uh, Rich Paul represents him, right? Yep. Yeah, they're big on that brand shit. You know, like every, <laughs> every other agency. So I could see them factor, like throwing the guys at bone. There What's is a up? third factor. The third factor is if they go to the finals, that could potentially throw a spanner in the works because that will be- Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not- There'll be no rest, no time for camp. Um, I don't, you know. Oh fuck! So those guys will be drunk till fucking October. So yeah, there's no Olympics <laughs> and that shit. We'll watch that space. Q and A's. G'day, Bogues and Coach. Love your work on the podcast. Listen to them all except the car series because I know sweet fuck all about cars. Well, thank you. My questions are about Big Bainsy. I've had a few questions about Bainsy, so if you've if you've uh, sent in ones about Bainsy, this will be the answer. What's going on with him? I don't watch Raptors games, but always check the box scores for the Aussie boys, and his numbers are all way down on the past few seasons. I read that he got a pre- he got pretty sick with COVID last year before the bubble. Is his health no good, or is he just out of the rotation at Toronto? He was so good for the Suns last year. An observation number two is an observation when people talk about the Boomers core. People always talk about you, Patty, Joe, Delhi. Bainsy seems to get overlooked a lot. I even recall you doing it yourself a couple of episodes ago when you spoke about the Boomers camp, the core group. Bainsy's name not mentioned amongst the senior playing group. You might not be able to speak about this on air if there is an issue. Keep up the good work. Hopes for you to one day visit Melbourne and I can take you to all the bad fast food places. Basically, that's from Bakes in Bandura. Pro, I have no idea what's going on with Pro, uh, with uh, Bainsy. He's been, I think he's been shut down. He hasn't played the last 10, 15 games. He was kind of in and out of the lineup throughout the season and they brought in you know different big fellas to try start when they weren't starting games well and then he was backing up then he was starting now he's not playing um, I don't believe he's hurt from what I hear I've spoke to some people in the know and they've said he's not hurt he's just healthy and he's been shut down so um, I believe he's contracted for next season I think he has a two-year deal and this is a concern I'm, I'm going to be honest it is a concern Bainsey is a big confidence player he's a he's a big rhythm and form player um, he carries a lot of his form from you know, national team to NBA and vice versa. Last season, he had a fantastic run in the bubble with Phoenix, shot the shit out of the three, did a fantastic job. So I, I have a bit of concern because he's our starting big man. He provides so much big body. He can roll and pop, physical, good rebounder, and shot the ball at a high clip for us in 2019. So we need him rearing and ready to go. And as far as your observation about me not including him, that just was probably the same as me thinking Pat Riley still coached the Lakers. Um, it's just a, a bit of a mistake from um, my side of things. But yeah, Bainsey's an integral part of that group. It's Paddy, Joe, Dally, Bainsey, and myself. Now I'm gone, so it's those four. And for us to have any chance for a medal pro, we, we need Bainsey to be at, you know, to be at 12, 13, 14 points um, at a decent clip 
couple of threes and just be a physical presence. If he's if he's on the lower end of that, like what he's with Toronto, it really um, hurts our medal chances. Have you heard anything about him over there, Pro? No, I haven't. But the team, look, the team's twenty seven and forty, right? They 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 don't really have a chance to to get into the you know to the top ten. They'll you know to play in. And look, they they're probably shifting some things. That the roster is a lot different than it, it's been in the last couple of years. They're trying to probably do some different things to get some life in in there, and maybe it's just not working for them. I have no idea. I have no intel on the information on the uh, on the perspective of it. So I don't know. He's a hell of a player, like you said. Confidence is a big part of all players, and I think that you know you got to play him. You, you know, he, he's not one of those guys who's just gonna like kill you, you know, for 40 minutes and, and put up 30 and 20. He's going to do certain things. He's going to screen. He's going to be smart. He's going to be tough. He's going to be a good presence. He's going to score when he needs to be, you know. But uh, I just think they're trying things. Boucher, he's – oh, Boucher, however. I think it's Boucher, the kid from Canada that played at Oregon. They've been playing him a lot at center, you know, like 24 minutes a night. So they're probably just diff- trying some different things. Yeah, and I think we're just going to keep watching that space. I, ho- I hope he – Gets a bit of form going in, but it, it's, it's just been a unique year. I know the COVID did really mess him about a little bit, so we will um, continue to watch that space. Thanks for that question, Bakes. Next one. Hi, Andrew and Mike. Love the pod. Always listen with my 11-year-old who now tries to put Mike's Boston accent on all the time. Uh-oh. Nice. Minus the swearing, I hope. I feel bad for that 11. That 11-year-old is <laughs> going to need some help later in life But if, if you're listening to me, but I appreciate you. Or his teacher's just copping a, a hammering with the F-bombs. <laughs> the question is what do you think of the way Dean Vickerman carries on on the bench especially yelling at players as they shoot the three do you think Melbourne United get away with a bit more that's from Alan Allen at the Basin so pro Dean Vickerman is notorious in the NBL he stalks the sideline and he's almost contesting three-point shots that are in front of him in the bench um, from opposing teams. So if, if someone shot a th- corner three if you watch film he'll 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 jump up and down as they shoot or he'll throw his hand up or um, while he's yelling contest you know and and it's it's when you when you look for it and notice it on tv it's pretty it's pretty bad um I, i'm not a fan of it i don't think it's good I'm, I'm a guy that looks for any edge to win a game i think that one's a bit over the line as a head coach you know he's yelling and screaming in guys ears as they're shooting and whatnot and I don't think it's a good look. Do I think United get away with a bit more? I'm 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 just going to say yes, just because I'm with the Sydney Kings. So whether they do or not is the eye of the beholder. If you're a United fan, you think not. If 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 you're anyone else in the league, you probably think they do. But I think um, Dean definitely needs to sit his ass on the bench and stop contesting opposing sh- uh, team shooting threes in front of his bench. And interested to see if the NBL have a conversation with him about about turning that down a little bit. But um, what do you think about that? You know, folks, the one thing about coaches in general these days, you don't get the characters like you used to. You know, like that that's just sort of like everybody's sort of doing their own, like the same things all over and over. And, you know, it is good to have characters that are a little bit zany, right? I don't think this is professional, though. This isn't one of those times where I want character. You know, like like character meaning like a character, not having character. And I think that like when you're borderline contestant shots, is a bad look as a league you need firm leadership to say, you know what, enough's a fuck enough. Like, you know, you you this is not professional and, and you don't see it done at any level of you know, any level of professional basketball. You can't be doing this. It's this bad look. We can't let you do it. It's and it, and it obviously it could impact the game at some point. So enough's of enough with the fucking antics. Let's let's just yep. clean it up. And people have noticed that we notice it, the team notices. But it's just, yeah, one of those things that they hopefully will have a conversation. It's not a huge deal. It's arguable whether it's in the, you know, 
the spirit of the game, um, but hopefully they have conversation. Next one, hi, Bogues. I'm a diehard Warriors fanatic. Thank you for everything you did with your tenures here at the Dubs. Definitely an all-time fan favorite. I have two subjects that I'm curious to know about. It's known that Mark Jackson didn't see eye-to-eye with Warriors management. Can you share any specific incidents and elaborate on how serious they were and how did you get along with Coach Jackson and personally feel about him? And number two was, is it common for players to have bad games due to having a poor pregame nap? I know I don't always feel as great as I want to, as I want after a nap. Thank you for my time. And this guy's last name is Vu, I think. So he calls himself Skip to my Vu. Uh, the pregame nap thing, yes and no. I mean, the problem is on the road, you can have all kinds of shit wake you up. If you're staying in New York, there's sirens blaring, the cleaners come knock on your door, um, people make a noise in the hallway. So you just got to kind of adapt with what you can. I wasn't a pre, I wasn't a pregame napper unless we got in really like really late and I couldn't fall asleep for some reason. Um, I'd nap a little bit if I went West Coast to East Coast because I'd, I'd stay up till 2, 3 in the morning East Coast time, which is 12, 11, 12 where I was and then get a shorter sleep and then have to have a little nap to make up for it. But I wasn't a big napper. Some guys are needed if they miss that nap. They're, they're screwed for, for, um, for hours, but I wasn't one of those guys. But going on to the Mark Jackson thing, look, yeah, there's no secret that the management, there was definitely a disconnect there. The biggest problem he had was when he kicked Jerry West out of practice, um, and that's been pretty well noted. He felt like, I guess there was some some rumors that Jerry West was the branch to the front office, so he'd sit in practice and then report on you know whether practices were good or bad and go to the front office, and for some reason that bothered Mark, and Mark and Jerry didn't get along well, and, and you know, pro, I think, you know, when you kick the logo out of your gym, <laughs> it's not the best notch for your resume. So there were some issues there. Um, look, some some players liked him. I, I didn't love. I didn't love him. I, I didn't hate him. I, I didn't love him. Um, I didn't. I didn't like the way he went about the off court escapades with the church stuff and all that, which is well noted. Um, which is we think he's right to do. But at times it felt like a, a recruiting service within an NBA locker room. But some guys liked that. Some guys didn't. But the like I said, once you once you shit on the the logo, uh, your days are numbered, in my opinion. All right. Um, so with pregame nap stuff, I don't know about players. I, I know some players are strict regiments with their with their sleep times and things. I never got affected by it as far as a coach except one time. So every time we would go in, I'm a huge Disney guy. And every time, usually we came to Orlando on a back-to-back. And so we got in late at night, three in the morning or whatever, two in the morning. And then we go, we have nothing that next day. And then, you know, we're coming into, you know, into the game. So it's either like either, a, you know, a film session or, you know, and then, and then you got like four hours or five hours before you got to go in the bus. So I would go to Epcot Center, do a lap, grab lunch and come back. So I had to like no sleep, literally slept like 30 minutes the night, the, the, the night before, literally fell asleep for about 20 seconds on the bench behind the bench. Now, thank God no one ever <laughs> fucking cares what I have to say. So no one caught it. The long blinks. Look, dude, I had the long blink. First thing I did was look at fucking Carlisle to see if he saw it. <laughs> Second thing I did was look at the scoreboard to see how long I fell asleep for. Literally like 20 seconds I fucking fell asleep, but I just, like, I, nobody noticed because, again, nobody gave a fuck what I had to say, but um, <laughs> it was pretty fucking funny. The second thing with Jackson, look, you, I've heard from inside sources, the guy was, look, the guy was in, in some ways a really good coach in the sense that, like, got players to, some players to like him. They got him to buy in. He sort of, like, tried to have some level of, you know, like, unity on the team in some regards so in that regards he sort of started the whole process of them being a really good team 
Did he take him over the over the edge? No, he did not. But the stuff that you can't do as a coach, you can't pick, you can't kick out fucking the logo. You can't kick out Jerry West. You can't instruct your staff not to talk to the front office. You can't bully your staff. You can't bring religion into your locker room. You can't. Not some players might like it, some might not. So like that's the main reason why I think he's not coaching right now because it was such a fucking disaster with not the record. The record, I mean, he, he built that up to be a pretty good deal, but it's the other stuff. Bob Myers and those guys gave him a fucking life raft. He gave, they gave him his first job. So like, why are you going to like shit on what they're doing by, and I think that Bob Myers hired him, I'm almost positive. Like, why would you shit on that and say, don't talk to these guys and be that paranoid of what you're doing. You know, like, and, and that's just, and that spreads, that spreads through ownership, that spreads through your organization, that spreads your staff. You know, you had the whole Darren Ehrman thing where recording stuff because he was getting bullied, like, that is a shit show. And that's the funny thing, because like, some NBA teams, you look at it and you're like, wow, they're a well-oiled machine. And it's literally a fucking hamster running on a fucking treadmill inside the organization as in a fucking circus performance going on inside. And it's a fucking carnival. You know, it's a shit show. And, and that's what that's why Mark Jackson isn't coaching today. I think Mark Jackson should coach today. I think he's probably learned a lot from that. I don't think he'll repeat any of that shit. Although we talked about how guys just keep doing the same shit over and over again. But you have to have some – you may not love the front office. You might think like everybody's chasing credit. Every every coach thinks it's probably they're the reason why they won a championship or they're good. And the management's like, well, it's the fucking players and this is what we've done. And the players are like, fuck both of you. We're the reason why we win. So like everyone's chasing credit. But with Jackson, it was you can't alienate your team and your staff from your front office and then bring religion into it where you're almost not forcing, but you're heavily telling people you should come to my church service in my church. So I think that the Jackson thing was a disaster based on that. Not on his coaching, but the off-the-court shit is rough. Yeah, and, and I think Larry Riley was the GM that, uh, and Bob Myers both hired him. And then um, the following year, they demoted Larry Riley and, and, and Bob took over. So I think it was the, the, the team hired him. Um, but look, Vu, uh, it, was, it was very much like Pro said. It was, there was a sentiment of the coaching and players versus the management. It was like a like we were two separate teams and, and and he kind of related as like, hey, these, you know, the GM doesn't want to pay you or they want me to trade you. And he tried to really build up a an us versus them mentality within the organization. I'm not sure why. Um, and that's that's not healthy. And then I think once once they caught wind of that in the front office, that's that's not a good thing. And then I think the Jerry West booting out a practice thing, just snowboarding to everything else happening. So it, it wasn't it wasn't great. And like it was a shame because we we had success, like Pro said. We had success. We're trending upwards. Would he have got us over the top? I don't believe so. Um, um, I don't believe he would have because I think he was very old school with his way of coaching. I think Steve really brought a refreshed approach to ball movement and, and moving, playing the right way. But he got us to a point that should be respected, and I think he definitely helped build that. So thanks for that question, Vu. We'll finish off 
in true Greg Foster fashion um, about the craziest coach player blowups you have seen. My one was interesting. I, I was with the Milwaukee Bucks. Larry Krasoviak was the assistant to then Terry Stotts my second year. We had Charlie Villanueva at the time, right? And look, Charlie was a very talented player, um, was the most physical, was, was labeled as soft as times, like would avoid contact and whatnot, but very, very talented player. And he was, um, we're having a, a decent year, but we were kind of underachieving. I think we're just a little bit low five, below 500. And um, Charlie got hurt. Uh, something happened with his shoulder. I think he, he he had bursitis or tweaked his shoulder. He was out for a little while, and there were some questions about whether it was legit injury. You know the usual shit that every player gets from other players on the team and coaches. And um, not that he was faking it, but but you know there's always questions about, oh, could you play through it? You know. And so he finally came back for a practice session. I remember this to this day. So Larry's the assistant, and we did the the man on the island drill pro. So basically, you were you were on defense, so you had to get a stop. So not an ideal drill for Charlie Villanueva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might I add, you know, it, was, it just it just wasn't a strength of his, and I think he'd be the first to say it. He wasn't known for his defense. This poor bastard got he like he got stuck on the island. It had to have. It felt like eternity. You felt bad for him, right? So you know, basically, what that what that drill is for everyone listening is you're you're on the split line, and there's there's a player on each wing and a coach in the middle, and he throws it to one of the guys on the wing, and you got to close out and play one on one. Guy scores a bucket, so then he has to go back to the middle, and then a new guy goes on on offense um, on each spot, and you just keep going. And, and generally, you have to get a stop to get out. And it got to the point, pro, where like dudes were hitting step backs, like dudes were actually hitting tough shots at one point. Where <laughs> it was like you felt bad. You're like, man, like you you like someone miss right right but it gets to a point where larry's getting on him like yeah get in a stance like close out what are you doing you know and he, he gets blown by once gets hit in the shoulder the guy dunks it or whatever he quits the drill he says i'm, I'm done like my shoulder i'm done my shoulder and larry Krasovia was like oh my shoulder oh look at me you know like was being passive aggressive look at me everyone my shoulder hurts because i can't get a stop and i was like everyone was like oh shit so charlie's like now like what did you say these two dudes start like basically the Greg Foster thing at practice. So we have to stop, break them up, back and forth. They th- they they basically tell uh, Charlie and Larry Kay to leave the court. But Larry's like, come to the car park, come to the parking lot. And Larry Kay's he's known to go. Like he'll throw down if he has to. Tough dude. He's throwing punches. Basically called out Charlie V to the parking lot. Charlie's trying to get to the parking lot at our facility, like up the stairs. It was like the, it was a shit show. We had to stop practice. Practice ended. They're just like, all right, guys, just go home. They had to split these two dudes up and get them out of the building. But that was the craziest one I've seen. Um, and I think they patched it up, but it was like that that day we had to kind of keep them apart. They had to send them away separately. <laughs> it was like, this is an assistant coach. But it was, Larry got in a, lot, a fair bit of trouble for it. Charlie did as well. But the coach is always going to get, the assistant coach and the coach is generally always going to get more heat for it because you just got to kind of stay kind of respectful and professional. But I think Larry's Larry's got a short fuse. I got the better of him. The first, he'll admit that. But that was kind of a crazy one. Um, what do you you got any? You'd have some. You'd have some good ones too. Yeah, I haven't really seen anything like that where like they have to like re- like you see sometimes assistant coaches and things you know get heated with players. But probably like the Carlisle uh, Rondo thing. Even though it wasn't a huge deal, it was pretty like intense where like a guy calls a timeout, you know, just to get the guy off the court and, you know, Rondo's screaming at him and he's screaming at Rondo. He kicks him out of the huddle and, you know, that was sort of ended. Again, it's not as long a story as you did, but I've just never seen it where like he calls a play. I don't know if, again, I don't know, I don't know any of the fucking plays, so I don't even know, but like I think he, he like walked it up the floor or whatever. Rick calls a timeout. Fucking, you know, he's yelling at Rondo. Rondo's swearing at him, like passing him and, you know, to go to the bench. 
and then like you know spreed into the locker room i didn't see much of it but like you know then he gets suspended and whatever and then they just sort of kissed and made up a little bit till the playoffs but was the frustration about pace? Is that what that was? Was I feel like the frustration was that Rondo was mad that because Rick calls every fucking play down the floor. I think Rondo was a bit pissed about about not being able to just flow and run some transition first. Is that what it was about? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, both those guys are what they are. Like they're both savants on offense, right? Like Rick's, you know, Rick's really good at it. Rondo's really good at it. They think they have all the answers to it for the most part. And they, they, they've had a good history of doing it. And I just think when you get two of those guys in the middle, I don't think that there's one guy to real blame for it, really. Like, you know, I'm not trying to stick up for anybody. I'm just trying to be as honest as possible. You know, Rajon was raised with, you know, Doc, who sort of ran everything ATO-wise. But, you know, as far as the plays are being run and whatever is being done, Rondo would run it outside of ATOs and he would respect that. Those guys have been at each other's throats for a while, but they sort of lived in that moment to be able to do that. Where like Rick wants to call plays and wants to sort of run it because that's how his brain's, you know, sort of wired, you know, that's what he does. And Rondo just thinks he should be doing that except ATOs, you know, and Rick just got him. I mean, we just had him for a couple of months. So it's not like, you you know, it's not like he was a rookie under Rick. We traded for him, you know, so like he's already into his like, I don't know, ninth, 10th year, whatever it was. And, you know, Rick and him have no history. So I think it's tough with no training camp, with no time to sort of try to get on the same page. And I think when you have a player like that, you sort of, I think that's the attitude you need to take. You need to trust him to be able to run because of his history of doing it. And I think every coach that has done that, especially Frank Vogel winning a championship, it's been good. But like, I don't blame Rick either because like, look, that's not his style. Like his style is calling all the plays and running everything. So it's like you have a guy that you don't really know, you have no history with, that's trying to run plays. You probably take it as a knock on you, and then Rondo probably takes it as a knock on him. And I think if you talk to Rajon today, he'd probably handle it differently. And, you know, if you talk to Rick, I, you know, I, I bet he would probably say close to the same thing. So, you know, but it, it was interesting to see, man, because it was heated. It was heated coming back to the bench. And then if you watch it on YouTube or whatever, it's it's really heated. But well, he just went that to, was probably he went the closest on the floor, thing. Didn't he? <laughs> Did he go sit on the floor? Yeah, the Houston thing, you know, the Houston thing was interesting because, like, I, I, we're very analytical. You know, they were very analytical at the time. And game one, you know, they brought him in. They brought Rondo in for the playoffs. They brought him in to get to the rim. They brought him in to the guard people, you know, and game one, you know, make, you know, the, the deal with him is he got to make threes and he's got to make free throws, which he, he didn't do either coming into the, into the whole mix. Well, we finally got him the last 20 games. He was shooting like 70 plus from the line. He was shooting like thirties or low forties when he got there. Threes, he was terrible, but he was making threes at a decent clip, even though he didn't make, you know, shoot a lot. So game one, he has 15, five and one. And Chandler Parsons does the micro fracture to his knee and Dirk and, and Chandler played terrible that, that game. But like we were sort of competitive, sort of not. Rondo was great, really good. Like I said, 15, five and, you know, 15 points, five assists, one turnover and made a couple of threes, made his free throws, but he had a minus 21 or a minus something. So, you know, that to me probably made me think that like they wanted to make some roster changes for game two. Cause again, we had no answer for Dwight Howard. We had no answer for, you know, James Harden. We had no answer for those guys. Those guys were going to destroy us anyway. 
you know, we might be able to get a game off of him, whatever. But I thought Rajon played pretty well. But, I, you know, he got benched out in the first half or whatever, and then he just shut it down from there. You could tell. Like, he just, you know, he was frustrated. He thought probably, like, hey, look, I played good game one. You got to roll at me a little bit in game two. But they didn't seem that way, and I think he was frustrated over the time and the minutes, and he handled it the wrong way, you know, yeah, the, sitting the, down. The funny thing was from that was um, – because we heard from, you know – not being in the team was that he wanted to run more pace stuff and Rick wanted him to slow it down. So then there was the infamous Rondo slowed it down so much that he got an eight second call in the backcourt. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I have. Yeah. yeah. I, like again, yeah, yeah, it's hard yeah. to say what he wanted to do there, but like he'll never admit what he wanted to do. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what have you, it's a bad look though. It's a, like the eight second call and then, then sitting down yeah. You know, sitting down at the other end of the floor. Like, look, just fake an injury, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, or just go through the motion. Like, that cost you a lot of money in free agency because from there is always one and two-year deals. Look, Rajon's – I think Rajon's probably my best friend. If you want to say players could be your friend, he's probably my best player friend in the NBA. Yeah. Like, I've, I've known him since he was at Oak Hill Academy. And we have real conversations, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, so I, I have no problem saying if he's right or wrong on things. But on that one, he probably should have handled it differently. It probably would have helped him going forward. He probably he could have you know, he could have, you know, left the team after the end of this playoffs. You know, if he didn't want to be there, that's fine. But then like on national TV, regardless of whose fault it is, well, it's all your fault because of the fact of how you handled it at the end. And he probably could have handled it better, but Hey, look, you learn from those things. You know, you talk to him today about it. He goes, look, I should have definitely handled that situation different. But again, when you have a player that's a champion, four-time all-star, he comes to you in a trade mid-season. There's a lot of like emphasis on him when he, when he gets there. And for the season not to go the way he wanted it to. And then the turbulent stuff with the Toronto game and this, like it's probably a little bit of a bummer for him. And then to have that happen at the end where you think that like minute wise you get pulled early and then, but again, you got to handle it different. You got to just like deal with it for the next couple of games. Probably weren't going to advance out of the second, first round anyway, but like he probably didn't handle it the way he should have handled it. Yeah, no doubt. And that's the emotions of the game. That's how it all goes. We all uh, make mistakes. Yeah. It's how you respond and learn from them. But that wraps up episode today. Thanks pro. Been a good one, insightful. Hopefully, we've got our boomers picks right, and we'll see how that goes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, let's get it done and see what happens. All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. Thanks.